to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is Who the Fuck Framed Roger Rabbit? Question mark. No question mark, actually. And Tarot Bang. Pop in your DVD <laughs> blurry. Press play, press pause. When the touchstone logo fades to black at the first frame you perceive of all black, press pause. And in the second, I'll say 3, 2, 1, and pause. At which point, I'll press play, you'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except, of course, with four friends in your head. And those friends this week are myself, as always, T. Christie, my friend Brian William Venifter. Greetings! Michael Dorkman Scott. Hello. And Seth doesn't have a middle thing, Brower. Hello, hello. So, uh, Roger Let's Rabbit. Say, you, you just said he doesn't have a dick. <laughs> well, that's what I heard. Um, it's true. It's the stories about Seth, me are Seth, widely <laughs> exaggerated. And Seth Dickless Brower. Um, <laughs> Roger Rabbit is one of those movies where I, I have I don't have much of a history with it. I've seen it many times. In fact, I remember it being sort of formative when I was growing up because I remember how horrifying the thing with the shoes is. Has any Has anyone besides me here at this table watched this as a grown up? Well, yesterday. Okay, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and only yesterday yes, for yeah, me exactly. as well. Yeah. I saw it a, a few years back. Yeah, uh, yeah. The I, I, you know, I've I've seen it many times. I, it doesn't leave a lasting impression on me. And I think the last time I looked into it was like maybe two years ago, and I didn't, I didn't like it that much. Um, so I look forward to being part of this, but I don't have a lot to say about it. I am looking forward to watching it again. Brian, what was it like as an adult? Well, I this is a big part of my childhood. This is definitely one of the ones that I. As I think I talked about on oh, Howard yeah. the Duck, we're like you, when you watch it as a kid, you have this really just pure, visceral, emotional reaction. It just like yeah. you're saying, complete, absolute, abject terror mm-hmm. when the the shoe is getting melted. It's so mean to the shoes, and the shoes are so sweet. And they talk to us like that, like <laughs> terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And then I hadn't seen it in years and years and years, probably two decades or more, and watched it yesterday, and it's. I don't know. I I'm honestly not sure how I feel about it. Like I it I think it holds up somewhat well, not entirely well. It's it feels like a dick thing to to say, but it feels cartoony, obviously. But um whether or not that's in service of the story is it well, car- to be seen. Well, cartoony obviously in the fact that there are real cartoons, but that's not the point I'm making, but cartoony in the sense of, you know, the performances and when you buy the that these characters are real. And actually I think given the fact that they are literally cartoons, the how much you buy the performance and the interaction is still very, very impressive. Um, but there's something about, you know, Bob Hoskins, who does a great performance, but it is it is cartoony. It's like, um, I can't quite hook into it all the way as an adult. Um, so it doesn't actually work for you as well as it used to. Yeah. Which doesn't, you know, surprise well, I, me because yeah, a think, six-year-old will have a different reaction. I think that may just be it. It's like it's just not... you. You just can't hook into it fully as an adult emotionally, um, and that may be all there is to it. And that made you sad? A little sad. Sad like a shoe getting dropped in a dip? No. Not, not that sad. No, no, that's an entire different thing entirely. Mm. Michael? Um, well, yeah, this movie was a, a big part of my childhood as well, although I, I, I went quite a few years without really knowing... Well, just be, you know, as a kid, you don't really gather all the things together so you don't quite understand you movies don't follow the plot. At, at a certain yeah. level but i also didn't i i literally couldn't follow the plot because i just never watched the end because it was too scary like <laughs> my, my my parents and i i think my parents took it upon themselves they're like we're just gonna stop now because it's too scary and you're a very fragile <laughs> and child a little, a little so, baby mike is just staring at the screen with big eyes like what's gonna happen now you got the old yeller cut yeah exactly <laughs> they're gonna exactly. be okay and they're all okay um but 
Yeah, I I, uh, I loved it growing up, and I watched it yesterday. I had the opposite reaction. I'm like, this movie is great. It still really? completely okay. holds up for me, and and I'm I'm very impressed with the performances. And of course, what for me, what makes it uh, what makes it work the best is actually exactly the performances. I mean, it's a little bit. I can I can see how it is a little bit cheesy because there there is a little bit of nudge winkiness in the fact that they are very aware that they're making a 40s hard boiled yeah. noir movie um so so there is a little bit of almost like they're trying not to smile but it uh, for me it doesn't it doesn't ruin every uh, ruin the whole thing and i i appreciate how close they got to it and that's what really makes it work it's like they I think part of it was probably just because they're on the set and, you know, there'd never been a movie like this before. They're like, we don't know if this is going to work. So we're going to do our best, but they're like, they're not sure. <laughs> you know, they're, like someone they're, on the crew checks their watch. What, what year is it? 88? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> but we'll um, but but I, I think they, they pulled it off really, really well. And, and that's what makes this such a great movie because it's like this is – if this were the real, if the real world were like this, if tunes actually did exist and stuff, this would be a drama. What, this mean? isn't a comedy. Like they're not making fun of the situation. Really, they're just going. This is the situation, and it is silly <laughs> and frustrating for the humans. But this is legitimately what it would be like if you had a murder mystery in a world like this. <laughs> That's cool, Seth. Oh, yeah. Um, listening to how you guys described it, I think my, I grew up with it. I can't remember exactly seeing this in the theater. It's. I must have, and I know I had this on VHS and saw it endless times, but I think looking back, I do agree with Mike, this definitely holds up. It definitely is one of those um, movies where it's like, no, they were buying into it, and they didn't know if it was going to work, but we're doing it. And I think the analogy I'm going to go with is it's classic film noir, which arguably is that black and white gray aesthetic, both in morality and picture tone. It's just just really... Really hard uh, contrast. Right, it right. doesn't have to be black and, and white. I but. think they took that and they dialed the saturation up to not 11. They took it to like 15 with the inclusion of saturated, bright cartoon colors, uh, both in in tone and characters. And the mixing of those kind of genre effects really worked. I mean, they definitely went for it. And so you're a fan of the movie? Oh, I, I am a big fan of this movie. You know, it just occurred to me what might be an interesting double feature with Roger Rabbit would be... Um... Dick Tracy. Oh yeah, Ooh, that oh, would. Yeah. Anyway, that would. We'll, we'll program we that. Do that. We'll program that evening at the fucking arc, uh, arc light. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you're at the point where the Touchstone logo has faded to black. As we are here, put your finger on somebody. Three, <laughs> two, one. Unpaused. Yeah, actually, I never, I never saw that gag yeah. coming in, in when we started this thing. Dick Dick Tracy actually is like exactly that. It's like it's a, it's a black and white story where everything is in really vibrant oh, yeah. color. I love, I love, I love old noiry Art Deco fonts. Oh yeah, I really love them with I, the chrome and everything, and all that. Oh, yeah. Plus, even like something like the Sucker Punch logo, I think is just really aesthetically pleasing. I like those sort of the swoopy stylistic. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. think it's cool. Oh look, they're doing a thing. This is going to be adorable. I, I actually, <laughs> growing up, this was hysterical to me. This cartoon, <laughs> it's actually is a so really, funny. It's a really brilliant piece of slapstick comedy. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it is. It is, you know, filmmakers in the 80s who grew up on this stuff, you know, with all of their, you know, better accumulated more talent and accumulated more technique building the it's like Indiana Jones, you know, Indiana Jones is the ultimate example of, you know, the 30s, you know, action serials. 
this is the ultimate example of those of the the cartoons that would play before the thirties mm-hmm. action uh, action serials. So it's like we just you know with that accumulated time and technique and technology and institution they just, they're just able to take it to eleven now. Right. On this right. One. And this, oh, that's yeah. what this is. I mean, is. you definitely you definitely feel it because I I mean I grew up watching uh, the you know the old Looney Tunes and they put them. We had I've I've mentioned this before. We had Laserdisc. <laughs> and uh, so they had the collection of all the old Looney Tunes stuff on Laserdisc. They had Max Fleischer stuff, or M- Max Fleischer, right? Yeah. Uh, and they, I got confused with Charles Fleischer, who did the voice of Roger Rabbit for right. a second. Who so, was apparently in Back to the Future too. Um, he had I, a, a I role have, as Terry. I have a uh, I have a him story actually. Really? Um, yeah. Just a, a random. You've one, met but, Charlie Fleischer? Yes, I have. Ooh. And it is a story. <laughs> Let me tell you. But um, I mean, th- this is. Definitely in the and they say this, you know, this is in the Tex Avery vein where it's yeah. like Looney Tunes was one thing, but Tex Avery was like really violent <laughs> cartoons and really just like you said, slapsticky and yeah. and ridiculous. And and this is completely and over the cruel. top and just yeah, yeah like just really cruel, very just, Tom and Jerry. Yeah, just cruel, but but at the same time, it's, really it's what it's what Itchy and Scratchy on The Simpsons is making fun of. Like that's that's the inspiration exactly. And, but, but then you see that old stuff and you go well. Itchy and Scratchy isn't actually going that far beyond right, right. To, to, in what they're parodying. It's the same. It's it's the same uh, mentality as uh, you know informed the the cartoon uh, of the the cartoon aspects of the mask. Right. So you can see definitely the correlation there in terms of like the violence and kind of humorous cruelty <laughs> that that occurs to uh, the characters. You know, we totally did a commentary for the mask. Yes, we, we did. did. We keep forgetting that. It was I keep early on. That. Was one of our. Early and ones. I just re-listened to it. And it's a good commentary. We did yeah. good. So good, good. For that, us. Well, that was the one where everyone was complaining we ate too much in the. Yeah, we uh, did. We ate a lot. Mic. So we ate a lot. maybe we should do it again or cut out the the <laughs> stuff. But, um, yeah, this is crazy. Although there's something about the quality of the animation that weirds me out a little bit. Well, it's well, it's, it's there's a lot of more 3D quality to it. There's a lot. That's more certainly part of it. Yeah, changing. the camera's moving around a lot, yeah. which it normally would not do. Right. Not not to this extent. And I mean, it's drawn with a lot of. Uh, it's weird to say this, but it's drawn in with a lot of wide angle lenses. There's a lot of like barrel distortion and stuff going on. Yeah, it's got a lot of gradient. It's not as yeah. clean as you would expect with a fully right. animated. Right, that's that's uh, more shark. what I was getting at. The strokes on the outside of the body aren't very thick, and right. you know, there's 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 gradient. There's shading inside the colors, which is something you don't often see in like a Disney movie. Oh yeah, they or they, on Family Guy. They're or already introducing the uh, the the fact that they're God, tone map. Look there's at a lot how of shadows. distorted this thing is. Oh yeah, it's just insane. But th- this. Uh, this cartoon, it's impressive as hell, and and it's not only impressive, but it's it's really um it's really well done in terms of the service to the story because not only does it establish right here we're transitioning into um the the real world and and Zemeckis this is all a oneer by the way until we uh, introduce Valiant and that's Joel Silver. Uh, mm-hmm. Producer of the Matrix, among who other is things. doing a uh, Michael Eisner impression. Who's doing apparently. a Michael Eisner pr- impression, and nobody told Eisner that Silver was in the movie because they apparently hated each other. So they <laughs> did this as like a prank. They put him in as the director, and then the the anecdote goes at the at the very end. They told Eisner yeah. who who the director was, and his his reaction was he was pretty good. Well, cause, yeah, because then uh, Silver <laughs> like cool. shave a shave a beard. Yeah, and he had a beard and he shaved oh, yeah, it. Yeah. So, but. Uh, the other day, uh, we were on the 
what would it be? Warner Brothers lot. And we walked past, because every lot has like little independent offices, like, oh, here's where Legendary <sighs> Pictures is. And uh-huh. We walked past Silver Pictures, and we walked through, uh, like kind of past it, and you look in the window, it's sort of like, oh, what's in this one? Oh, cool, what's in that one? And, you know, just kind of looking at stuff. It was after the lot, for the most part, it closed. And I look into the Silver one, and there's like seven Agent Smiths staring back out at me, <laughs> and I was like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Yee! Uh, anyway, the the that this scene when uh, Zemeckis said when he read the script, this is the scene that made him want to do the movie because he's like, that's amazing because it establishes, it it establishes the existence of the cartoons in the real world and they're film that in this world cartoons are filmed just like any other movie. Right, you know, it's filmed with a real on crew a and stage. stuff like that on a soundstage. Um, and and also it it has the important, fairly important story function. Although I guess it doesn't come up that much, but. Um, it shows why Roger Rabbit is a star. Yeah. Because you watch the cartoon, you're like, oh, I would totally be into this character. I'd want to see every cartoon he did. And they, and since then, a lot of people probably... I, a lot of younger people probably think Roger Rabbit is like a real character. Is like... Because he is now. Oh, you mean like uh, equivalent to Goofy? Yeah. Like, like, oh, that he existed prior to this yes, movie. Yes, exactly. Right. Because, because after and, and this... And like Goofy or Mickey or Bugs, who all show up in the movie, yeah. they just pulled him from the stable of... Whatever it was. Exactly. Because, I mean, he is now. He's in the Disney stable. You see him show up in, you know, uh, I mean, they've got Toontown at Disneyland now. Yeah. Um, And uh, they started doing actual Bugs, uh, not Bugs Bunny, Roger Rabbit shorts (laughs) before movies. They started doing, like, like legitimate like shorts, just those, <laughs> basically, <laughs> before movies. The first one that I recall, I'm pretty sure it was the first one, was before Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But they did, like, three or four. My God. I, you, I was so happy. I actually just, think you I remember just activated that. neurons that <laughs> wow, activated my yeah. brain for I, 20 years. I was so happy when, I don't remember what movie it was, uh, recently, it was a Disney movie. It might have been a... What was it? No, maybe Tangled or something like that. They did uh, a Goofy short like they used to do back in the 90s. Like before it was a brand new Goofy short. And I was like, yes, please bring this fucking back. I, I don't think it was Tangled because I don't remember that. But It was some recent Disney movie. Okay. And the thing that occurred to me after that, after that movie, was that aside from, I guess he must be a, a huge presence on the Disney Channel. What is Mickey Mouse in that kids are recognizing him and, and learning him anew? He's just days? a presence. That's He's literally presence. it. Because yeah. like... I, I, the only time I remember seeing Mickey Mouse in a thing ever was in Goofy Movie for like one second, and he's like hitchhiking with Don, uh, Daffy Duck. The last right. ten Donald. years, video games. Mickey's oh, been yeah? in video games. He's been in video recently. games. He was. Hmm. He, I mean, he was the the uh, he was the MacGuffin of Kingdom Hearts, and he's got his own. Uh, he's got Epic Mickey, and he's got that. Uh, he's There's just a painting game too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Epic Mickey. Okay, he's he's just an institution now. It's like there's. You know what? What car, what movies has Jesus been in? Really, I mean, you know, he's, but he's out there, and kids are learning about. I was it. like, what albums are the Beatles putting out? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Nothing, but they're still there. They're still just <laughs> out there. Yeah. Um, I want to hear this story about Fleischer. I, I'll, I'll tell it in a second because this bit I just want to point out is amazing. Like the actual the, work, be, be, seeing him through the Venetian blinds. Yeah, uh, yeah. Seeing him through the Venetian blinds, this alone oh. is crazy. But then he, uh, uh, Maroon is about to open the blinds, and it all just totally. I'm like, and and this was before computers. Yeah, this was before already. anything. This is all optical, and in fact, the um, they they mention it's another piece of trivia. The big shot that's coming up where where Eddie walks through uh, Maroon Studios, and it's like a big Warner, and there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff do- going on. There were almost 200 elements. 200 separate oh. elements that they had to optically com- uh, combine, which stacked together apparently is like eight feet thick of film. <laughs> That's crazy. 
I wonder how they kept. Here we the, go. This, this, one, this one, right? I wonder here. how they kept the frame from getting super duper noisy. Uh, at well. ILM. Speaks, well, there was also well, this was another VistaVision movie. It's ILM. Not only was this another VistaVision movie, which we just which we just discussed on the previous Close Encounters, day, Close Encounters, um, but this was an almost exclusively VistaVision movie, which hadn't been done since the fifties, um, because they they were just like every shot has a fucking cartoon in it, um, and it's hard to to once when you're just watching it and especially if you've grown up with this movie it's hard to really appreciate it's like none of that was there so you see the the brooms pushing the other brooms which is a great gag and you see the uh, I love the cattle, the cattle call, call gag the extra, yeah. um and you see the uh like the the pelican on the on the bike that was just a bike just riding along with nothing on it and they had to put a pelican on it and apparently the it was just supposed to ride he was just a bike courier but they made the gag with him falling down cuz they couldn't keep it stable so they're like fuck it he just loses balance falls down but um what's really crazy yeah. is that it's also this is not something that you would think of but it's constant they're also tracking all of these things those animations oh, have yeah. to be yeah and that was very that was a conscious thing on their part they Zemeckis, uh, refresh my memory, it was the name of the animation supervisor. Uh, Williams uh, something. Yeah. The animation supervisor. Ooh. You know, Zemeckis is like, well, you Richard know. Williams. <coughs> Richard Williams. Richard Williams. Well, they didn't, you know, they never moved the camera on these. They never changed the perspective. And the animation supervisor was like, yeah, because it's hard. But right. we can totally do it. Yeah. And so Zemeckis is like, okay, so we can do that? It's like, yeah, it's just double the work, but we can totally do it. He was comparing it. I mean, it was compared to stuff where, which Disney had done previously, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Mary Poppins, stuff where live mm-hmm. characters had interacted with the animation, but they didn't really interact right. with the anima- animation, and that was that was what Zemeckis wanted to avoid, and everyone was telling him, yeah, you can't move the thing. I love this gag right here where he thanks like, the four-year-old kids for the cigarettes they gave him. <laughs> um, but they're like... Eight, and a, but... a great L.A. joke is like, I don't need a car. It's the greatest public transportation yeah. system in the world. We'll, 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 talk, always, yeah. we'll talk about that in a second. Setting but, things up thematically. But we'll yeah, they were, they were... It was exactly that. It was like... You know, they're all telling me not to move the camera and blah, blah, blah. And it's exactly, well, because it's hard, but you totally can. Like, yeah. it is our job to be able to draw things in perspective. Right. What's wrong with a moving perspective? Nothing. We can and, do and it. And behind the scenes guy was like, so Zemeckis was like, so why didn't they ever do that before? Why didn't anybody else ever do that? And the animation supervisor said, because they're lazy. Yeah. Because <laughs> we can do it. It's just a shit ton more work. Yeah. Like, oh, all right. So they did, it. they did a test, um, which you can see on the DVD. And I don't know if this movie's on Blu-ray. I don't have it. And if it, that's crime if i don't and so I, I need to get on that but uh there's a there's a behind the scenes documentary where they talk mm-hmm. about this mm-hmm. stuff and there's a one minute test yes. of the first time they did it which is a big crane shot down and moving across and a bunch of and interaction, interaction yeah. and stuff like that and that was the that that was the thing where disney saw that and they're like go <laughs> greenlit <laughs> yeah absolutely because this was this was a hard sell i mean some it was it spielberg or somebody had this idea <clears throat> it was part of the zemeckis spielberg kind of trust of of filmmakers uh and said you know we, let's let's make this movie and even then immediately at the beginning like that would be so fucking hard mm-hmm. to do so they yeah they they did the test which i think they said cost like a hundred grand it was like a hundred grand at the just time this yeah. one kind of cr- you know minute long crane shot or something and they showed it to the studio and the studio said yeah, yeah absolutely yeah go for it and then it then it's like three years of work after that. So yeah. Like post-production itself was like a year long. I think it was two years. Two years. Yeah, they just had to – because they had to draw cartoons in every oh, frame. Yeah. Um, and they had it, – it was very much like you hear um, stories about visual effects companies today because they were like, we had 300 animators and we had to hire more. <laughs> and it got to the point where we couldn't find any in, in the country, so we had to go to another country <laughs> for anime. But, but in, in this case, it wasn't like – 
Korea. In this case, all the animators were in England. They had like 300 animators in England. They weren't going to make their deadline. And so they were like, we need more. And no one else will come to England. So they had to start an extra animation branch for Roger Rabbit exclusively here in L.A. That's that's a lot of animators. Yeah. Get to the point where it's like, where are there any more? No, we have all yeah. of them. Yeah, basically, <laughs> this is uh, this is all a set, by the way. The which may or oh, may not be obvious. But I, I was thinking it was a CG. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there any really location shooting other than the the couple the, of streets? The streets exteriors. Stuff. The exteriors were actually right. Los Angeles. Yeah. Um. But but yeah. The the we should talk about that. The thing about the trolley car. Yes. Yeah. Um. The the red the red line uh, trolley car. That's a real thing. The the well. F- first of all. That we should talk about the Chinatown connection because this movie is obviously Chinatown with cartoons. Right. Essentially, it it takes place kind of in we'll call that it Chinatown kind of world, <laughs> which is not a bad <laughs> thing. It, if, you're, if you're gonna crib it's a storyline, right. crib a good one. Right. Well, well, well not only that, as we talked about in the Chinatown commentary, the, you know, Chinatown is about you know how LA got its water supply. This is, by the way, this yeah. is like the moment where I think the film decides to work like it could have not worked but the fact that she pulls that off that moment, line yeah. that she's like that she soon killed his brother dropped, dropped a piano, piano on his, on his head. head it's like i buy everything that she just said it's, i'm it's, in it's you gotta think moment. how many yeah. time, how many takes did they take where she was just trying not to yeah, crack a exactly. smile because that's the and that's, you're thinking i want to smirk because yeah. it's such a funny ass line and What's that's like, about you know, this? it's so clearly just absurd everything about that is absurd and then to be able to sell that with sincerity yeah. what's super impressive about that shot when he's outside the door and the guy opens the little slot to talk to him <laughs> is when he steps aside light starts casting on bob's face again right. that's that's interesting Every, everything about this has been thought out apparently. having the oh yeah. yeah oh yeah we could talk about that having a cartoon say ass was apparently a big deal and it was a big deal to me as a kid i was like the cartoon just said it don't work <laughs> um so they were totally on, on they, they they had that thought as right. well as they were going through. But anyway. The- anyway, yeah, talking about Chinatown. So Chinatown is about uh, Los Angeles basically stealing its water supply in order to become the Los Angeles we know and all love today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But the original idea was um, for Chinatown to essentially be a uh, trilogy talking about the three main ways that China, uh, that Los Angeles has turned into the way it's, it's penguins turned Penguins are into. carrying real plates. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, so this, this this set is about eight feet off the ground, and there's people underneath with, with rods on sticks. just yeah. running back and forth. And, and above, too, the octopus bartender, there's right. a puppeteer above kind of look, look, oh, all of the... It's the, the shot's already gone, but it, but uh, as as he passes behind glasses, they did distortion and everything yeah. for... But, sorry. Anyway, so Chinatown is about the water, and then they made the sequel to the two Jakes in the, in the 90s, right? Early 90s. Yeah. Which is what is I haven't, still haven't I seen two jakes, two jakes, but two is jakes is another segment of of L.A. becoming what it is, and this was supposed to be the the third part in the trilogy talking about how the public transportation system was destroyed by the automotive industry right. and lobbyists and interests. It's not a conspiracy theory. This is historical fact. Yes, they this, conspired together to destroy the public transportation this, system, this is, and it was place. based on the tour I took a, a couple of years ago. It was mainly the tire lobby that's really right. yeah. lobbied in. A little bit of the automotive lobby, yeah. but the tire lobby was really yeah, and it conspired to essentially destroy the public transportation system in Los Angeles, and then build the freeways in their place to require everybody to drive around. Right, and so this. That was supposed to be the third Chinatown movie, and it's never really happened because Two Jakes was apparently a terrible bomb, yeah. and so it got folded into Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, which, which we should be clear, it's not like they were going to make it and it never went anywhere. So they're like, let's add cartoons. It was <laughs> they wanted to make this movie, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They couldn't 
figure out a plot. Yeah. When they were like, well, we're trying to do Chinatown and blah, blah, blah. They're like, Chinatown, there's a sequel that they're never going to make. About well, the roads. About let's the roads. Let's just steal. Let's just take the plot for the third <laughs> Chinatown movie. Um, so they did. And now it's never going to get made because it's <laughs> Roger Rabbit instead. Um, but uh, this this sequence always was another I mean, bit that I always thought was hysterical. Like, legitimately. I'm like, this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I totally see why people would go to see this show. And it, and it never – yeah, it, well, it never occurred to me as a as a child just what a what an accomplishment of, like, on the producerial right. side of oh, getting yeah. Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and oh, Donald yeah. Duck on the screen together interacting. It's like, that's – that's actually a really extraordinary accomplishment. Oh yeah, that that's Spielberg right there, oh, yeah. being like, please, please, please. I was I was reading Star the Wars: trivia. Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, Close Encounters. Give me, yeah. I can do it well. I was reading the trivia, and they were like, well, just to cover our bases, the reason they're both you know, Donald and Daffy are on screen at the same time is you get the well, we don't want one studio to have more screen time than right. the other. So the counterparts are always on screen at, at the, the same, same time, time yeah. and yeah. they have the same amount of screen time, so you can't complain. Just about. But Bugs gets like a couple frames less than Mickey does because oh, Mickey true. comes in first and then <laughs> and and he goes out second. But and, and you can argue that Porky has its own. Has yeah. His own well, that yeah. So Porky balances. And, it yeah. out. But the, well, but then Tinkerbell comes in, right? Which is um, a great <laughs> sign off. But uh, but um. Apparently the the voice of Betty Boop here is not an impersonator. That's the person who actually did Betty Boop in the thirties. Wow. So oh, wow. some guy named John. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey Jess. How's it going? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> they introduce her with basically the only recognizable parts that anyone ever remembers of her. And my love of redheads was forever <laughs> set in stone. <laughs> to this day. My favorite Disney princess is uh, Meg from Hercules, who has a similar thing going on with the big, like, oodles of red hair. Mm-hmm. They deliberately, they say they deliberately designed her so it was obvious that they didn't just rotoscope over a performer. They're like, no, there was no one there because we wouldn't have been able to hide her. Now, yeah. Nowadays, they would you have could. shot with a real person and then and painted, painted her out. out but yeah. um, there, are, there are some shots in this where it's like, I don't know how you did that without just having somebody there right. and then painting them out. But I know you didn't paint anybody out because you couldn't do that then. Right. It's a, there's uh, a lot of articulated uh, puppeteering and stuff like that. And there, so. there's, um, you know, watching behind the scenes, there did it, or rather... Oh. Go ahead. Although a lot of a lot of what she does, um, I- interacting with the the people, she is, um, she is painted out. They had to do crazy stuff where it's like there is an actress there performing with them, mm-hmm. but then they would for shadows, do the, not just for shadows, but like for eye when lines when for eye lines when she pinches his cheek and she you know wipes his hanky on his head in a second here and what she's do what she does with Eddie with his hat and all that. Um, so basically, because of the waist thing, uh, they split screened her out like they shot her with the the other actor and then they shot without the other actor and then they did an optical split where they kept the top half of the take for her arm interaction but they had a clean bottom half so then they drew the cartoon over her top half and then had the clean bottom half for the t- was tiny it, waist and stuff like that was it a motion control rig how else would you a good, uh, some I of would, this is motion control a lot that, of this is it motion have control to be. but there there are bits of this where there was like there wasn't motion control we just poop and just yeah. well watching um, behind but, the but scenes there's a, there's a lot of you know they the way they would do it is they would um they would do a first couple of takes with the live action puppet and they have the puppeteers basically just you know shaking Roger Rabbit in Bob Hoskins' face, and so they would get the performance down, and then the later takes, they would pull the the, the puppet out, mm-hmm. and Hoskins or whoever would just kind of be acting to nothing. Right. But they, it's, you had enough of a muscle memory at that point that you know it, it was 
that they had the, the the scene down. Yeah, and it was an early. It's an early version of what they do today of yeah. walking a character through because they also used it since since part of what they were doing was the they the characters the the animated characters interact with the lighting and mm-hmm. they have shadows on right. them and stuff. So it was reference for that as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, really, just insanity. In, in, yeah, insanity and incredible. And and Bob Hoskins especially had to just imagine a lot of stuff. And in fact, he talks about I. I'm not sure if this was a joke or not because like everything I read about it because I read the Cinefax and watched the behind the scenes stuff. So this anecdote came up several times. So I'm like, either he really likes the story or it really happened. He basically got to the point where he became delusional and started seeing the tunes everywhere. <laughs> Even yeah. when he was offset, he'd be at a restaurant and he'd see tunes walking around because he had to put himself in a mind space of seeing tunes around him so he could perform. Are you guys familiar, Dr. Submarine's pointing something interesting out to me that I had never heard before. Are you guys familiar with the anecdote about the question mark that should be in the title but isn't? Yes. Go no. ahead. You could, I was just gonna. I was gonna read what he said. Well, it's but. not a big anecdote. I mean, they they went back and forth on it, and the writers were like, "They're gonna think we're retarded if we don't have a question mark in the." But apparently, it's considered bad luck to put a question mark in, in, a, uh, in a movie title. So, I gotta wonder where that came from. Star Wars. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Star, Star Wars. Wars? <laughs> <laughs> the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> what happens next? The Empire Strikes Back. I'm gonna. I, yeah, I mean. Uh, Star Trek. That movie, well, that movie, what just happened? Any, that doesn't a, have a question mark. Any hall? Um, Blade Runner. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make movies with question marks in them just to fucking. I'm gonna make a movie with like fifty of them. Yeah, just fuck it. I the, the next screenplay I, I'm right. I'm gonna title it. Is it bad luck to put a question <laughs> yeah. mark in the screenplay title? That what, will be when, the title. <laughs> That's fun. And it'll be a whole Charlie Kaufman self-referential <laughs> thing. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's got to be a good one. There's got to be like one. That's I, like, I, I do love this patty cake thing. Because, like, weirdly, even as a kid, I understood that that was a, a sexual uh, pun. A euphemism. Like, a euphemism, but they're actually playing patty cake, and that's why that was funny. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I, I do love it. It's, it's almost a Family Guy-esque in the way they play the joke. They're doing exactly the beginning of Chinatown, where you're showing them the photos, and it's just, like, one photo after another, and he's flipping through them. But, but it turns into a flip book. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's yeah, the just guy. the length of how long it keeps going, and right. they're doing nothing but patty right. cake. But you, the, you keep expecting like, oh well, they started playing patty cake, right. and then eventually it escalated something more. But yeah. no, you just it's keep just going, and it's still patty cake. It's just a, a loop of go, patty right cake. Here. But but I also love the gag where because it's a cartoon, of course it's a flip book. He creates a little animated <laughs> uh, film out of it. Got to admit, the shutter speed on his camera is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, also uh, him him drinking alcohol also scared me when I was a kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> You better start drinking it black because Acme's taking the cream now. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking gross. <laughs> yeah, there's a, it's it's one of those movies where you watch it now and you're like, How, who let me see this as a child? That's not okay. How did they get but clearance for some it, of this so. stuff? Yeah. Oh, Speaking of clearance, that, that bit where he, he drank it, there's another uh, funny anecdote where they were um, – uh, some, some company probably – I don't know what company it was, probably Jack Daniels or something. Um, they offered $100,000 if the drink he took a swig from clearly had their label on it. Really? And they were like, you you know it it's makes a kid's his movie. You know, well, they well, they were like, you know it makes his head turn into like a steam whistle and it's kind of disastrous when he drinks it. They're like, we don't care. Just put the label in it. <laughs> but and they didn't do it because it's a it's a Disney movie. Uh-huh. It was a Disney movie and they're like, we can't promote now it, it was funny to hear them say that on the commentary they're like but we couldn't do that because it was a disney movie i'm like now disney would be all over that they're disney like is the pioneer <laughs> <of that. laughs> exactly 
how many how many placements can we put you down for? We'll we'll take a cut out of each one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's really amazing how many. Is l- Mickey a drunk? Can Mickey be? Yeah, it's it's amazing how many long shots there are of with a tune in them because yeah. they because they they they're just they legitimately approach this as how would we shoot this if he was really there. If you were really there, how would we shoot what this? What would his performance be? Yeah. And then how would the scene play yeah. out as a and, result of And that? so they shoot it that way. And then it's like, so there's that whole bit where he jumps on top Whoa. of Eddie and Eddie yeah. falls over. There's the, a like rabbit-shaped hole in the blinds. Yeah. But, I, I where was know. it a second ago? I still don't know how they did that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a great gag. Good God. The, the modern effects artist in me is still amazed at the level of work well, this, that they you know, did this, for this. Oh, yeah. This is like a natural predecessor to everything that we do with CG now. Oh, yeah. We'll have oh, some made-up yeah. character that's in the entire movie, like Paul or something, or Seth MacFarlane's movie that's coming up as a teddy bear. Shit like that. We do that now. I wouldn't want to do it by hand with fucking a pen. Right. And that's... <laughs> but, that's they actually... <laughs> but, but one of the reasons that I think this movie is successful where a lot of those movies aren't, and we've talked about this before with Jurassic Park and stuff, it's because this one was hard. So they were like, "All right, they they it's the ninety percent, ten percent rule. They went ninety percent of the way. They went, fuck, we spent two years going ninety yeah. percent. Let's go the last ten. Not only that, but at the same time, even back at the script stage, they're like, we're about to spend three years, yeah. doing this. Let's make sure we mean it. Like, do we really, do we really want to do this? <laughs> do we? And then they're like, yeah, yeah, we do. That's okay. Then we're ready to roll. I can't, I can't imagine because." <laughs> if if I were one of those filmmakers at that point, I would go. Yes, we we could do this, and it would be pr- pretty awesome. But it would be a, a kids movie, so you know it would really be for kids who would. Is nev- this a kids movie? What is this rated? I think it's oh. like PG thirteen. Actually, that that, is it that really? I oh. think the danger is it's a grown ups movie that's going to look a lot like a kids movie. Yeah, you're you're but straddling that line. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, this was clearly their answer to what, I, what I'm about to say, but it's like, I'm, I'm about to spend the next three years of my life making this a kid's movie, and it's going to be incredibly hard to do it in a way that no kid will ever see or appreciate. Doc Sub says, PG. do I really want to... Okay, then it's sort of a kid's movie, but I feel like this is this is one of the... Um, I, I feel like this is one of the pioneers in taking this kind of fantasy filmmaking seriously, it and it was right around the same time of The Simpsons too, where they're like cartoons can be for grownups too. Mm. You know, they were eighty eight, so yeah, yeah, they, that was starting eighty seven. It was right in the same in the same zone where they were going, okay, let's make a for serious movie this way, and it'll be the fact that we're being serious will make it funny, <laughs> but <laughs> let's not let's not tip our hand that we know it's funny too often. And so this movie plays complete. If you made this movie today, it would be insufferable because it would just mm. be completely just hey we're wacky we're well, making a thing and blah blah because blah. sony would be making it right exactly oh, yeah. now did you guys ever see cool world or dreamworks oh would wow be yeah. DreamWorks, yeah i did not see cool it's world on, and it's, I, I want cool, to cool it's on I, netflix yeah i meant to bleh. it's um pretty uh, bad. by the way it's pretty bad this guy yeah a uh, little bit of trivia he is the guy that vader chokes in star wars really yeah oh, he's, yeah. he's the guy La, I, can, I can see it La, yeah apartmentier uh, yeah. Yes, yes, he's I've the guy seen... being uh, being totally bigoted about the Force religion. In, I, uh, I, I've met him. I met I met him at uh, Celebration Two. I was walking around with Trey and Amy after, when they were doing something something Pink Fivey. And Trey apparently, uh, all my, the story from my angle was Trey just kind of walked past the line and walked over to the table, and the guy was like, "Hey!" And then he invited like him around the table, and I was like, "Hi, guy that got choked because this power was the ultimate power in the universe, and you suggested that we use it, and then Vader killed you." I'm Teague. You know, it's like Vader didn't kill him. It would have been great if he was like, um, excuse me, Grand Moff Tarkin s- spared me. 
All right. <laughs> Thanks, though. Um, this actually, it, it's 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 a little weird thing, but just in in terms of like nerdy pedantry, it's later on his uh, his gun, Eddie's gun, is a gift from Yosemite Sam. Yeah. So it's weird that in this scene there's like no oh, recognition going on, I, or that there there's. Oh, it's no, not like hey, how you doing? Yeah, kind of a thing. Right. There, or there's no like oh shit, uh, you better not see me. You know, it's just like hmm, a fucking tune, and then walks away. It's like no, uh, clearly there's a history with that particular <laughs> it's tune. Not, damn, he's he's not gonna bug me because I haven't given his gum back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always I I also always thought his line "My biscuits are burning" was pretty funny. <laughs> just. I liked cartoons. Michael, um, <laughs> I've waited long enough. I want to hear your story about the guy. Uh, but we're about to get Judge Doom, who is amazing. Um, is he wa- from Back to the Future? Yeah. Well, well, well watching, it, watching it yesterday, or watching it as a kid, it never... This Judge Doom and Doc Brown being the same person right. was, not, was not an issue at all. Watching his performance yesterday... It's, it's <laughs> exactly the same fucking performance. Right. But scary. But scary. Um, it's Doc Brown... If he was evil, I was I was was surprised that this guy is almost as evil as Judge Doom. Just like the looks on his face and like the gleeful cruelty of the way he's (laughs) behaving. The police dude here, yeah. I always was like, I feel like he's one of the bad guys. (laughs) He's that stereotypical dirty, just you'd really hate him cop. But um, apparently, uh, yeah, Christopher Lloyd. First of all, apparently Christopher Lloyd was so no pun intended tuned in to what this movie was doing that. Uh, when he read the script, first time Judge Doom came in, he was like, he's a tune! Like, he <laughs> called it <laughs> as soon as Doom came into the movie. Um, and uh, I, I, my understanding is that's one of the reasons Zemeckis cast him, because, like, oh, you totally get what's going on here. Um, but apparently one of the people that they, they auditioned for Judge Doom was Tim Curry. Could have worked. Well, no. The thing is, everyone involved, Zemeckis, Frank Marshall, Spielberg, and Michael Eisner all went, he is too scary. He's so <laughs> scary as Judge Doom. We can't have that. That is too scary. In the- so, although, But exactly, picturing it, I'm like, oh, man. Anticipation. In the multitude of IMDb trivia for this one, they also listed uh, John Cleese as a possibility. Yeah. But apparently no one thought... That they would take a Monty yeah, Python. No one thought, no one thought that the silly guy from Monty Python yeah. could pull off a serious <laughs> like, movie. Yeah, they want, they, but he wanted it. They right. didn't want him. And and uh, one other one other uh, piece of trivia for those who can't read IMDb. Um, uh, apparently, they also wanted Bill Murray for Eddie Valiant. Yeah, but they couldn't get a hold of him, and he didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, he didn't know for like twenty years. There's and a then lot there of those was, stories about Bill Murray. And then, they, but then there was. <laughs> he said. He said in an interview there, there was an interview with I guess Zemeckis or someone where they said that, and he read that interview. And he was just in a public place, and he screamed <laughs> because he totally would have done it if they'd been able Which, to get in touch That story with still doesn't make sense to me. That's why you, everybody has agents and <laughs> right. managers. No, how do you no, not know about, how there, to there reach is, somebody? There is a directory. You go to Sam French, yeah. <laughs> and there's a directory of agent representation, and you go, okay, this, these are all the different agencies. If you want to get in touch with Tom Hanks, it's not like you don't have the ability to try. Yeah. Yes. No, but Bill Murray uh, famously does not have a phone, and he lives in the right, woods. Right, right. So people can't. People have to like drive out to him, or he has to call someone to like, and he might go months without ever asking or answering. Right. Like, um, uh, Ramus talks about that in an interview I saw with him. That's why we don't have Ghostbusters three yet. He likes it. He just hasn't let anyone know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that's not why. No. That's not why. 
It's because he doesn't want to. <laughs> it's just, he just doesn't want to. <laughs> but well, I was just reading yesterday that Ramus and Murray don't have a working relationship, quote unquote, anymore mm. because of Groundhog Day. Apparently, it was a difference that they. Uh, uh, Bill Murray wanted it to be more philosophical, and Ramus wanted it to be more comedic, or the other way around. I forget which. That's I'm, a very philosophical, funny movie. I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah, I mean, it's like, and I that didn't make any sense to me because it's it's both, and it's, it's beautifully already both. striding that yeah. line really yeah. nicely. Okay, so Aww. here's the scene. Oh, here is the saddest. The saddest part of the scene is there is another shoe out there that will be alone forever. Oh, and they were very dude. They, don't they, do that to me. No, they were very clear about that on their commentary. What someone said, by the way, they were talking to Zemeckis. They're like, by the way, Bob, I'm glad you didn't cut to the other shoe <laughs> oh, <laughs> during the scene. That no. would. It's like the one Ewok that fell out of the yeah. hang glider, and the other Ewok can't get it up. The design, the just the way they mix the dip, so there's like different levels of and nastiness and... and color oh man the dip you really feel you're like fuck um, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't hurt humans really well, i mean it would not, a little a little bit well it probably the, sting, the joke yeah. they he just lists the ingredients right there and the joke is that's what you use to clean film and clean animation cells. Yeah, to clean animation so take, cells. Uh, acetone well acetone as film is right. acetone and turpentine at least as which well. which by the way for those who don't Wait know that's why that's why that's why film cells like production film cells are really like cool flammable? collectors items, well, flammable, <laughs> but they're also really cool collectors items because for the most part they don't keep them. They draw them, they take the pictures of them to to put them in sequence for the movie, and then they clean them off. They they wash them off, and that artwork is gone forever. And then they do something else on top of it because you don't want to have to get a new cell each time you do film it. Film is it's expensive. expensive. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, don't the cartoons have rights in this movie? No, actually. Well, the, I mean. And they they you can totally a, make a movie about racial tension with the cartoons. This is and there, and oh, there, yeah. a, racial tension. There is a level of yeah. that to it because with the with the Toon Club where they say the you know Paint Club. the Ink and yeah. Paint Club the Toons can perform there but they can't go in there right. and be patrons and that's a very directed allusion to uh, the Cotton Club to, to Cotton Clubs yeah. which were black people were allowed to perform there and work there but they were not allowed to just go there right. and enjoy the and, place and this this town aside from aside from the the wealthy tunes who are very successful, this town is segregated. I like how you're sort of walking on eggshells trying not to offend the 1% of cartoons. <laughs> These ta- the, no, I'm just, I'm just making the point. Some t- They're called Toon Americans. Yeah, some, some it- tunes are allowed to live in the city because they have the money to afford it, but most of the tunes are kept in the ghetto of Toontown. Oh, yeah. They are, it is a segregated society. And I'm not going to fucking stand for it anymore. <laughs> The book. My actually, point is, like, it's it's cold blooded murder that the judge does exactly. calmly in front of everyone. Right. Uh, I, yes. He he absolutely just murders a. It's tune like in front taking of a little no sweet wacky kid and just dumping him in lie. Right. But because the kid is a different color than you are, it's okay. Right. Which would have been okay at a at a certain time in our history. Um, well, yeah. so, socially, I would not have been, <laughs> that, well, you say that, well, you don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. You would have been a different person. Exactly. Time, I would have been a per- different it, person. It would be nice to think. It was not okay then. <laughs> we can say from now that it was not okay then. Are you but guys? if we had been there then. Anyway, um, oh, uh, what I was going to say was the, the book actually gets into that a lot more. It's, it's who censored Roger more, Rabbit? Who censored Roger Rabbit, which is, by the way, if you love this movie, don't even bother. Don't read the book <laughs> because it's got almost nothing to do with it. It's got. The names of the three major characters. Is the book good? No, I don't think the book's that good. Um, the the book has a lot of differences. Uh, one of them being that they're not they're not movie tunes. They're comic strip tunes. Um, so okay. so 
That makes less sense. They're models for, for comic strips and stuff like that, but when they talk, it actually comes out in speech bubbles in the real world. That's how they communicate. So it's comic strips are similar to this. Comic strips are just taking pictures Guys, we could totally do that with Stephen Hawking. Doing that. That's very surreal, actually. It, it is surreal, and I totally see why they didn't do that and why they decided to. Uh, no, you best not... Compl- no, but like a, like a, we could put like a computer monitor behind his head that just whatever he's typing comes out oh, you know, sure. on the screen and... Please, <laughs> anyway, please do this. <laughs> anyway, um, but otherwise, the story is almost completely different. Judge Doom doesn't exist. It's not about the uh, the um, you know the the public transportation, the the red cars and stuff like that. It's it's literally about well, oh, yeah. it's it's a murder mystery about who who killed him. Roger is killed at the beginning, and that's the MacGuffin. He's dead, yeah. But he still manages to be a character because they have this weird ability to, like, resurrect for, like, a week or something. So Roger oh. is a character helping to investigate his own murder. I was going to say, is it like a Sunset Boulevard, like, flashback kind of a thing? No, he's but there. No. It should be. That yeah. would be better. And then and then there's, like, there's there's no fewer than, like, three complete deus ex machinas. There, there is... There are characters who you think are human that turn out to be tuned, so they did get that aspect of Judge Doom from it. But. In the chat, Braden is bringing all the truth. He says the tunes have to have rights because Acme leaves them Toontown. They didn't have rights, they couldn't own property. As for tune murder, there are no laws for it because you can't kill a tune yet. So there is no law required. Well, that makes sense. Ah, That's okay. true. Because they do make that point that you can't kill a tune, and the dip is, uh, is a new invention. Progress! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, March of progress. Ways to kill things. The commentary. Re-elect Judge Doom. The commentary is interesting because they t- the screenwriters are on it and they talk about occasionally. Um, th- this is one of those movies that you watch and it feels so fully formed. You're like they have to have just. They've, it feels like it just happened. There's no way they were not thinking about these things. Yeah, but they but they as they were going, they they were like. How do you kill a tune? Like, what's the risk to the tune? So then they created the dip, and they're yeah. like, "Well, what 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 happens when this?" And I don't understand what what we're gonna do with blah blah blah. And and so they slowly like develop. Oh, uh, another one was they were like, "Why does Eddie hate tunes so much? <laughs> Why? What? Because they'd written it, and he was like that." But they're like, "What is his problem? Like, we know and he needs." They to came up with that. a genius solution for that problem. Yeah, and they came oh, up yeah. with a genius solution, which completely like. Everything suddenly fell into place because they're like, and then Judge Doom was the tune who did it. And then, like, so, you know. Writing, it's easy. Yeah. If you get out of its way, sometimes it is. <laughs> R- writing that fourth draft is very oh, yeah. easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first three that suck really hard. Yeah. They also make the point, which is very interesting, where it's like, he's trying to convince Eddie in this scene to help him. And he's trying to basically convince us to do want Eddie to help him, and he's so annoying yeah. in this scene. It's amazing that they managed to get away with that. Um, they were also talking about earlier in the the bit, uh, right before right before uh, Eddie wakes up and is taken to the scene of the murder and stuff like that, with Roger at the Acme factory, which incriminates him to to the viewer mm-hmm. um, of him sitting there looking at photos of him and Jessica and kind of crying. They're like, that's a really kind of that, and that was a late addition, apparently, to the movie. They're like, that's a really kind of bold thing to do because this character's been awful. Like, you just hate him at this point. <laughs> and right when you're about to, like, give up on the movie, suddenly he, he gives this weird emotional performance, which you've never seen a cartoon do before, <laughs> um, and, and suddenly gets you back on board with him. And the chat snail says, if you can't kill a tune, then why is the judge afraid of Robert, uh, Roger with a gun? Hmm. <laughs> because it would blow his cover? And what... Wait, what scene does Roger have a gun? I don't know. 
I have fucking seen this movie in a little while. I don't know. But that's what they're pointing out. It might be that it would blow his cover. He's got to act like a person. Yeah. So he's got to be pretend Here's he's that afraid. It could be a human-to-tune, tune-to-tune correlation. What do you mean? Well, tune, tune, tune guns can hurt them. Right, it's a tune. But, it's not, but, but it, would, it would cartoon hurt them, right? I well, suppose. Like I don't blow know. like a hole in him kind of thing. I don't know. He's got the bullets later, the, the cartoon, uh, the dum-dums, which is a funny little play, which I didn't understand until after I'd seen In Bruges, where there's that whole scene with the gun dealer babbling about the dum-dum bullets that make people's heads explode because they've got like the hollow, hollow points. points. Oh, so yeah. The I hollow points, the hollow I, points are called hollow dum-dums. Hollow points are dum-dums. I um, and so, so later on when he shoots the bullets after the judge and the judge goes left and the bullets decide sure. to go right, he's like, dum-dums. And I'm like, that's a joke <laughs> that I never would have understood at the time. I thought he was just calling him stupid. But that's a, that's a double thing. Would you guys want to see this movie remade? No. No. You know. And I don't really want to see a sequel, even though they've been talking about it. Although, I, I, will, um, I will say for, for a long time, I was they were talking about doing it. Obviously, if they did it today, it would be computer animated. And I was like, no, 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 no. But I saw a test that they did where basically the, the, the funny thing is the final product would be computer animated, but they would – the way they were talking about it, they were still going to completely hand animate the movie because they were going to do it by hand, and then the computer animation they were going to use that as a reference on top of it for like the high. I'm like, so it was that's, basically it would just mean that there's no procedural computer work whatsoever. It's yeah, just exactly. All rotoscoped. It's I mean, all it's all rotoscoped from an animation that someone else did. That seems so. It would be like a, what was the Linklater movie, a Scanner Darkly? Yeah, it, it and would, Waking Life. Would it yeah. essentially be that? And those weird fucking commercials that they do the same thing. No, no, no. It would be. It would be. They would have. The, I mean, not for I the saw, whole thing. But it would elements be, or, or maybe, it. maybe I was. Maybe I misunderstood. They did the test that way. Maybe they were just. They, maybe that was just to like give the computer animator a sense of what that kind of animation was like. But maybe, computer animators would have less experience doing that kind of crazy. Yes. Yeah. But maybe. Yeah. But maybe moving into the actual movie, they weren't going to do it. They were just going to be like, all right, now you get how those things work. How it has to look. That's how you're going to do it. But for the test, they did a test where they uh, – another test where they did just a little you know, 30-second thing with Roger right. and, a, and a performer. And then they did a computer version of Roger, which they did with tune shading and everything. So he basically looked the same. But he was done with computer animation over the top of a reference uh, for how those kinds of animations are supposed to look. So I'm not – I don't think I'm as opposed to that as as I would have been before. And there is a book, there is a sequel book um called Who Who Plugged Roger Rabbit. The peas the, the little pea stutter is actually in the title. Um but I can't do the cheek thing. Um that, That's bad luck to put that in the title. <laughs> he and uh and that is a- actually a sequel to the movie. It's not a sequel to the book. Oh, it's really? openly a sequel to it's a, a direct kind of sequel a thing. to the movie right. where it talks about and it it like goes out of its way to to establish we're talking about the movie so it's like he got his his emmys and his academy awards and he's got his big purple bow tie whereas he was you know a brown rabbit before instead or his blue bow tie and like he's working really hard to let you know this is the (laughs) movie version is it the same author of the book it's the same author of the original book um and i got like because there's i got like a chapter in i'm like i don't want to read this i just don't (laughs) i got better things to do well there's there's uh the whole aspect of the author of the book sued Disney for, uh, really, yeah, for not uh, not getting compensated basically, oh. and Disney being the wonderful people that they are, countersued 
him. Here it is. Uh, Gary K. Wolf. <laughs> write a better book. <laughs> <laughs> we changed too much because your book yeah. sucked. Uh, filed a lawsuit in 2001 against the Walt Disney Company. He claimed that he was owed royalties based on the value of gross receipts and merchandising sales. Uh, in 2002, the trial court in the case ruled that these only referred to actual cash receipts Disney collected and denied Wolf's claim. In its 2004 ruling, the California Court of Appeal disagreed. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm going to take this cartoon bunny case to the Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> the rule, ruling vacated the trial court's order in favor and remanded. In a March 2000... Okay, so Wolf estimated that he was owed $7 million th- through uh, gross receipts and merchandising sales. Disney's attorneys not only disputed the claim, but said Wolf actually owed 500000 to a million dollars. Wolf owed Disney 500000 to a million dollars because of an accounting error discovered in preparing for the lawsuit. So wow. he, he sued them because they Ouch. didn't pay him the gross points, the merchandising points that they owed him. And like, oh, no, we actually looked at the books and you owe us money. Yeah. Don't ever sue much. us again. Yeah. We gave you too much before. Don't yeah. you wish you hadn't asked? <laughs> See, we have a whole that room is, of accountants and lawyers. We win. Yeah. That is what's called making an example out of somebody. Yeah. But uh, th- this scene, they they made a point where they go out. They went out of their way to keep that light swinging for a while, right. just to just to really prove it. I, I I do love the scene coming up with Judge Doom with the shave and a haircut. They talk about a lot. They're like, we talked a lot about tune rules <laughs> and how those work. And uh, the weird thing is that they're it's not like they're really set up a lot in the movie. Right. You just kind you of – because you, if you're familiar It's relying with, on the audience to have that cultural osmosis of knowing how cartoons yeah, work Yeah, and how they behave and, yeah. and stuff like that. So later when, when you know, Eddie tears the, the line in the street and oh. shifts it to the side and Lena Hyena follows it. You just go with it. <laughs> that makes yeah. no se- – they even say on the, uh, the commentary, they're like, this makes no sense <laughs> that she does that. But it makes tune sense, and oh, we yeah. never have to justify it otherwise. Well, in the, in the uh, scene previously, they set up the if you laugh too hard. You know, you'll die. It's like that's important. Yeah, that's important. That's important, and and that's not part of standard tune rules. Right. I mean, and that's something they actually set up like three or four times separately in the movie. They, I was watching yesterday. I was I was actually struck by how often they they make a point of that. They go at least four, three or four times. They go, you do, don't do that, or you'll die. Well, I mean, they are they're trying to introduce that new you know that new rule so that it can pay off in the end. So oh, that right, you yeah. gotta make it's, sure it's and it's really there. exactly it's yeah. really important because if you just said that once, the audience could forget. You have to straddle that line of we have to make sure that they're not like what the fuck is right. going on here. But you have to make sure that they're not like yeah, we totally saw that coming because you mentioned it like twelve times. <laughs> but every time we saw the weasels, someone said that. I think we saw where that was going. It, it's not a Deus Ex Machina. It's a gun on the mantle. We yeah, did exactly. set it up. Right. So there's a deleted scene on the DVD where he's like abducted and they paint, paint like a giant pig head he's on him. Abducted and taken into Toontown. Yeah. And or he goes into Toontown. He's like following the trail of clues or something. Or I think so. He went. They decided and, they and didn't they want him going him. into Toontown that early, so yeah. they took it out. Uh, but they capture him, and basically to punish him, they put a big Porky the pig head. Yeah, they onto paint him. it around his head. Yeah, um, a- and he sees out of his mouth, like probably the Porky Pig at you know Six yeah. Flags does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but. Uh, so but, and then he has to go home and wash it off and stuff like that. So if anyone's wondering why he's so declothed right now, it's because it's coming out of that. And scene. watching that sequence, that was that is that's from a different movie. Yeah, that's exactly. From a, that's from a more 
That's from a David Lynch film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, exactly. Or a David Cronenberg. That's film. a really dark moment <laughs> in the in the tomb world, and and that's exactly why they were like, "This doesn't belong in yeah, this movie." This is a little too far in the, the chat. I Jim says, "I think her boobs are fake," and Farley goes, "Really, Jim?" And Jim goes, "I have an eye for these things." <laughs> <laughs> yep, Bob Hoskins is cool, man. Yeah. Smee, yeah. This is Smee, this, Smee. This is the first time. Oh, that's right. Really what about him? Smee? Smee's me. Me. He was also Mario in the Mario movie. No, he oh. wasn't. Yes, he was. He was no. the only thing <laughs> no. that was appropriate in that movie. He was not. Bob Hoskins is another one of those guys that, it like Richard Dreyfuss, like for three movies, he was a thing. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. This is such a, this is an incredible info dump scene. And even then they had to like change stuff around. By the way, they actually, nowadays, uh, the, the, the red cars are not. The real red cars because they don't exist anymore because of Judge Doom. Uh, but <laughs> the, uh, the 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 red cars are actually buses, essentially with Painted the red cars like trolleys with, with the trolley built around them, and then they they laid down tracks and they laid cables overhead so that they would you know they could run them back and forth. Nowadays, they would just build the trolley bus, and then the they would digitally add the tracks and the cables and all the sparking and stuff like that. Yeah, so sure. that's a really impressive thing. I believe this is still a Warner. Right now, and uh, this no, is, I don't think so. Oh, but this is like this info dump scene going on right now. That, well, that's like that. That was the plot laid out right there okay. for you. They're they're not going to spend too much more time going on about it. Um, but that was the plot, and there was even a bit early on in that shot or or short sequence of shots because I wasn't looking, so it probably did cut. But uh, where they they drew in Jessica. Leaning in, she was in a car and kind yeah. of overhearing it. She He's that wasn't, dropping. yeah, that wasn't planned. They were just they cut a couple other things. They're like, uh, <laughs> like we need to fill in kind of a story gap here. So they, so it's like, how would Jessica know that? So it's like, we'll just have her in the car right there and <laughs> add that in. This is a they talk about, and if you think about it, all of the all of the behind the scenes stuff talks about this. Um, the really intense and scary thing for for this movie was they had to cut it. With nothing, they had to cut it with none of the animation or anything. Yeah, not Ooh, even like an animatic yeah. or a previs yeah. or anything in there to see the other half of the action. And once it was cut, it was locked, and and like so. Basically, the first cut was the only cut because they had to get it to the animators and get them animated. They couldn't decide they wanted to recut or shift frames or stuff. They could take, they could do less. They yeah. could tighten it, but they couldn't do anything. As, else. as often happens, if you're you know your visual effects guy does a a shot that's 300 frames long and you, you only need, you know, 280, well, then you can yeah. do that. Or I was just even... thinking in terms of heads and tails on this, they would have to lock the cut because if you think of all the shots that have cartoons in this movie and how much they had to do, that's how much they have to do, you could easily end up with 10 more minutes of animation just in heads and tails. Oh, oh yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. So you lock it and say, we're going to save the 10 minutes right. and then four months of animation on those 10 but minutes. The, but the other thing when you're dealing with visual effects is you'll, you'll cut something and then you go... That's not give. That's not actually giving enough time for the effect. Right. I like this timing for the effect, so we need to extend the cut. They couldn't. They no. It's like you got to deal with the timing that you got and hope that when you watched it with nothing and imagined it, that it was right. I think this has definitely got to be an example of a movie that was made and sold on its pre-production. They must have done so much just conceptual work on the shots to get them to piece together that oh, well. Oh, the, the, the Cinefix has a lot of great behind-the-scenes stuff, um, uh, pictures and stuff, which they don't often have anymore, unfortunately. But uh, they, they had rigs for everything. It's like every every little thing that seems like it's, you know, 
accidental, like Roger kind of stumbles and like puts his foot in a puddle or something. No, they planned the fuck out of that, and they had to build something to do the little splash in the puddle, and they had to, you know, uh, nothing. It, as we talked about before, uh, you know, Trey's mentioned with puppets. Same with this. Nothing was accidental. Nothing was really ad libbed. They had to just kind of go with it. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure for all of the animation, this is probably a hallmark of like that the Muppet puppet technology just mm. applied uh, practically, yeah. and yeah. then just. And you, you can also see on the uh, behind the scenes DVD of. Um, the the storyboarding and how they integrated the storyboarding into it. they have right. you know some before and after and it's actually mostly of Bob Hoskins as he's walking around in in Toontown but I would imagine it a lot of it applies this is, this is a great little uh, um, rehabilitation not really rehabilitation but a, a a nice moment for this character who is like uh-huh. an asshole and then it's like oh he tried to save the day he he <laughs> didn't but he tried he's a good guy after all it's his attempt at a save the cat yeah exactly. Um, I, which I never, I never connected him with the guy that Eddie shoved the egg into his mouth oh, earlier really? until I re-saw, watched it yesterday. I'm like, oh, that's the same character, and now he's got like a, you know, he's he's got a saving grace. There's a, there's an R word that I can't re- think of right now. Redemption. Thank you. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm tired. Um, but yeah, this is his redemption moment. Uh, uh, just a little bit. Yeah, watching yesterday, it just it it doesn't feel right to me because it just seems like. I don't understand why he's behaving differently other than the way he would. I think other other I, than the way we've seen him behave and other than how Bob Hoskins says he behaves, I, he behaves differently. I think it's literally what Roger – it's it's showing that Roger is right. Roger thinks Roger thinks that they're, the, the guy is he, – he made the guy laugh, so the guy feels like he owes him or feels like, you know, we're buddies or whatever, so he's not mm-hmm. going to turn me in. And Roger turns out to be right. Yeah, you, yeah. you He uplifted all of these drunken reprobates, as Doom calls them, and – they feel well. He he's cool. We're gonna yeah, protect that, him. He, that's true. He, that's gave, a good us, point. he it, gave us more brightness in our day than you're going to judge Doom. <laughs> that's a that's a good point. And in in turn, that builds into being a save the cat for for Roger. Yeah. Because if Roger were if Rod, if Roger were annoying and wrong all the time, then yeah. it would be very hard to sympathize with him. Yeah. But you can you can get. You can get away with one if you have the other, yeah. or you can get away without having one if you have the other. It, it definitely sells the as the performer cartoon. He you know uplifts his audience. He has he his job actually means something right. by, by what he does. It goes back to what you were saying earlier. Is like <clears throat> the as long as we have established that Roger is actually really good at what he does. Mm-hmm. He has skill. He has ability. Then it's it's easier to yeah. be invested in in what he's going through. Yeah, look at all the smoke. On top of the <laughs> animated <laughs> character. Nowadays, not hard. <laughs> Back then, pretty hard. Back then, rocket science. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Christopher Lloyd doing a great job with nothing in his fist right now. And this is a, you'll see some of this on the behind the scenes of, you know, this is a great example of the first few takes doing it with the puppets. And so Christopher right. Lloyd is holding a puppet as he's doing it. And then, you know, um, and during the later takes, they'll take the puppet out, and it's it's air. But they've already kind of built the performance and you know rehearsed it, so they have an idea. It's also important to note we were talking about like the rigs and stuff that they have. Uh, again, it's it's for for people who you know watch movies nowadays or are savvy about how movies are made. It doesn't seem like that big a deal. It's like, well, of course you'd have a rig for interaction and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's like, well, not only did you have to have a rig for the interaction, but you had to design it in such a way that you knew what the animated character was going to be doing 
and you knew that it would cover up the rig, right? Because you couldn't paint Ooh, anything yeah. out. It, either the the cartoon was on top of it, or you were boned, or you didn't have like, it, either. or you didn't have the rig. Yeah, because yeah. the technique just wasn't there yet. Yeah, there was no, there would have been no way to do it. Uh, aside from some split screening, they could have done a little bit, but it, they couldn't have gotten very far with it. Well, that would have required a motion control setup in any, and I can't imagine like oh, so obviously they did it for some sequences. In yeah, the, in when the they knew sequence. they were going to need it. Yeah, yeah but, but they didn't just it, have one it, sitting it, around. It must have been prohibitive if you would have needed that for the entire movie yeah, or for yeah. most of the these sequences. Yeah, I can't imagine because motion, especially back then in, in, in the mid to late eighties. Uh, a motion capture rig is a big, complicated piece of equipment. Oh, yeah. The, uh, that the, requires a lot of time to set up yeah. and execute. And and you have to plan what the move is going to be and yeah. all that stuff. Um, the, I, I, I love the, the reverse psychology of him getting Roger to drink <laughs> the thing. And I also... It's, it goes back to the tune rules, as you were it's, saying. It's tune rules. I love... It's totally duck season, rabbit season is what just happened there. And I But I love the fact that nowadays they would... I feel like a studio executive would sit down and be like, at some point, Eddie or someone has to sit down and watch the Duck Season, Rabbit Season cartoon to set up that that's how those rules work. Oh, to yeah. to let the audience know that that's how it works, and then that would be a callback to it. Whereas in here, it's like, you you know those cartoons. Yeah. It, You're just gonna... It's just trusting the audience yeah. to know it. So I gotta, I gotta ask. I'm just watching this sequence, and what we're talking about, it occurred to me. Using diff rules, would we consider this a perfect movie? I would. Um, I, I don't. It, in terms of, again, for, I, I, I feel like the the term has kind of evolved in in some ways of how True. it's been used. The, the way I originally used it is there's nothing that there's nothing that a movie sets up and doesn't pay off, right. and there's nothing that happens at the end that wasn't efficiently set up. And in in term that that's my original definition of a perfect movie. And in that definition, I think absolutely so. Um, the the looser definition that it's become is that it's just the movie that it wanted to be, and I do think that it fits that definition as well, definitely. Yeah, I would agree with that. All I right, like, then. I, yeah. like, I like cake. Yeah. I really <laughs> want some cake, actually. Let's I've had some, a craving for cake. Let's get some cake after this. Um, <laughs> I, guess I guess I'll uh, I'll briefly Yay! tell my story here. Uh USA. He was, I, well, we, we at some point we should talk about the, which is also on the behind the scenes, the, the rig that they have for the Benny, which was, is j- fucking insane. I was gonna, I was actually gonna kind of interrupt myself. It's basically a go kart where they're sitting on top of the guy who's actually driving right. it, <laughs> and so and so the guy who's actually driving it is sitting below and behind Bob Hoskins, and Bob Hoskins is just sitting up top on this little mm-hmm. go kart pretending so, to drive. Yeah, the guy has to like crick his head to look around him so he can drive like around his butt. So you can drive, and and again, he had to be able to be covered by Benny. So basically, the guys, what, as you're watching this, if you want to picture it, the guy's legs are under Bob Hoskins, and his head is where Benny's spare tire is. Yes, that's that's the yeah. way he's oriented and sitting right now. I like this lever, stupid. That's perfect. <laughs> um, okay, so my story, uh, just really quick. No, you make it long. I, yeah, I know. This isn't that long of a movie. Um, I was at I was at a Borders. Remember that uh, when those were <laughs> that was a thing. thing. Um, so I was at a Borders. Uh, I, I like to imagine a world without Borders. Having this is by the way is the Hyperion Bridge, which the actual geography of that shot reverse shot doesn't work at all in right. real life, but it's a very famous bridge downtown. That oh you'll yeah, see in, in all Pasadena, the time. it's a or Pasadena, Pasadena and it was really hard to to close off, so they had to get this in one shot. And God, 
Just imagine what that looked like. <laughs> what he looked like without Benny. Yeah. Um, this cartoon did not exist at the time that this movie takes place. Right, because this movie actually specifically, it it feels like it's, you know, watching it as a kid, I always felt it was just like one of those kind of timeless... 40s Yeah, movies, 30s, yeah. 40s thing, but it specifically takes place in 47. Yeah. And there are certain elements like this cartoon that didn't exist in 47, but the filmmakers like, yeah, screw it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they thought that, they, they thought this was the, the, in their words, this was the zaniest Disney cartoon, which it totally is, by the way. <laughs> the uh, one where Goofy's trying to work out with yeah. all the weird equipment. yeah. And the um, narrator. I remember the narrator. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's the one that's been uh, spoofed so many times with, you know, Goofy learning to program the VCR yeah. and set up his home theater. That, 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 was the, like that. that was the closest thing Disney did to a Tex Avery type animation of, of just the really violent things happening to the, the characters <sighs> consistently. Like, because, because some of the early cartoons, um, there's a cartoon I saw once. Uh, on a, I'd never seen it before, but I saw a cartoon on a plane, a Disney cartoon, where Donald accidentally gets sent a penguin, like a, a penguin just shows up in the mail. God, been and there. Gets out, and uh, and it. If I had a penguin for every time that happened to me, <laughs> I'd have twice as many penguins. It's a really. If I had a nickel for every time I had a nickel, it's really dark and like Donald needs to get therapy. He really does. <laughs> Because he's just mood swinging back and forth. Like, he keeps trying to murder the penguin, and then every time he thinks he succeeds, he's immediately remorseful and starts crying. And it's like, you need help, Donald. You really I do. Think, did, Donald is definitely the epitome of bipolar. Yeah. I mean. Um, but um, uh, anyway, so my story. You're at Borders. Yeah. That whole thing was like a big one also with just him and Roger sitting there like two actors. But uh, so I'm at Borders. I'm sitting down just um, having a conversation with a producer. I was meeting with the producer, a casual at Borders, you know, had our coffee from whatever it was at the time, Seattle's best or whatever. Um, and uh, and the guy who played Roger Rabbit, Charles Fleischer, walks in and the producer happened to know him. And he was like, oh, hey, you know, and, and introduced him and, and kind of waved at him. Um, but there was a weird, like, there was a weird thing there. It was like, he almost, I, I don't think he wanted to say anything, but, but because Charles Fleischer saw him, he, he's like, oh, hey, what's up? Uh, and came yeah, over. One of the things like, I, I hope it doesn't see me. I hope it doesn't see me. Uh, Fuck, it, it wasn't, me. it wasn't as bad as that. He was just kind of glancing over. It's sort of like, oh, that's, that's, and he mentioned it to me before, uh, before anything happened. He's like, oh, that's the guy who played Roger Rabbit. And. Anyway, moving on, you know, and so, uh, and then he saw, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, um, he's crazy. The guy who plays Roger Rabbit is crazy. You can totally tell in the behind the scenes. Yes. He just has this, like, he has that cartoonish glint in his eye yeah. that's like, you are. He can't. Well, there are so, a, lot of, a lot of voice actor guys are like that, right. though. Like, well, no, um, no, 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 but the, but the, what I, what I. He came over, but right, but Charles Fleischer is not a voice actor though. Is right, the, is the thing. He's a full actor, and he this was just this particular role. He came over, and uh, you know, he's like, "Hey, what have you been up to?" And blah blah blah. And he started talking about this. Uh, he's working on a book right now. When did the story happen? Fucking n- a lunatic. couple of years ago. No, no, no. <laughs> the book is about uh, you know that f- photographic um, uh, the photographic phenomenon, the rods. No. 
there's there's rods and orbs. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Is it the, uh, spirit, spirit photography? Spirit, okay. spirit, oh, elf, gnome <laughs> photography. If you Basically, take a picture of like a graveyard and there's like a glowing white circle in it, it's something. Yeah, there's an orb. There's, the, you know, people get pictures of like flies buzzing by the lens, but they go by really fast. So they turn into this really long rod and that's rod photography. But they, they're like, this means something that wasn't there when I took the picture. Only the camera can see it and blah, blah, blah. Mm. He... We had like a half hour conversation where he was talking about it and what they mean and how he's working with a guy who's had conversations with these things and, and knows all about where they come from, their dimension. And he was not kidding. He was totally straight faced. He's like, I've written up several papers that I expect to get published on the subject, blah, blah, blah. And that's – and so the, the producer guy that, that – He's giving me the eye contact like, this is why. This is why <laughs> I, was, I didn't call him over as soon as I saw him because this is what happens every time. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's my Did Charles he tell Fletcher you about story. the rods? Every time with the fucking rods. Seriously, it was exactly like that. It's like, that's what he does. Every time I see him, he's got a new story about the rods. And so, well, that's, that's a bummer. Yeah, but, you know, if, uh, they, if they do Roger Rabbit 2, then I'm sure they'll get him back because he's not dead and he can still do the voice. So, we didn't didn't ask him to do the voice because it was too weird already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wacky. I would have uh, been like, I will listen to this. First of all, I'll do it. Know, I, do first it of in all, I, voice. First of all, I love you. You're a big fan. I'm a big fan of. So that's it's great to meet you. Second of all, what I think you're talking about right now is complete total bullshit. Yeah. Third of all, I will listen to you talk about it for as long as you want to, if, if you do it in the Roger Rabbit voice. <laughs> exactly. Oh, he probably would have too if I'd asked him to, because he's because he's nuts. There's a there's a whole. Did you inject any sort of skepticism into the council? Hell no. You didn't want no, to poke no, no. at all. <laughs> yeah, I was not gonna poke that pit bull. No, I was because I was totally like, oh man, no, <laughs> no, because there's no because what because I like sure I'm I'm really gonna convince him in that conversation, <laughs> yeah. and that that seems like a really good use of my time <laughs> keeping him around. Are you I shitting was, me? Trying to convince Roger Rabbit that that const- rods and uh, orbs don't exist. Yeah, I might have if I just like randomly met him on the street. But I was trying to have a, a meeting yeah, with yeah. someone. So I gotta say, just in that last scene, I want to see the short cartoon Pistol Pack and Possum. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. oh yeah, there was there was uh, and there's another one right there, and there oh, was Roger uh, Rabbit cartoon. there was Herman Sherman, which was apparently from the from the Nazi era. Which uh, there was there was a uh, there's a famous Donald Duck cartoon where he was oh, right he, yeah, yeah it was it was all a dream he Donald wasn't really a Nazi <laughs> but there is a cartoon where Donald is a Nazi for most of it until he wakes up at the end and goes I love America <laughs> and that's a banned cartoon so of course you can find it a thousand Everywhere. places on yeah. YouTube but um yeah my my impression of Herman Sherman the wet nurse I can't even that's oh. not okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and my impression of it is it's baby Herman as like a baby Hitler chasing a little, you know, or or the uh, maybe the opposite. Uh, Roger was Hitler, and and baby Herman had a tank that he was coming after Roger with. And so here we have another really complicated plot scene of who who's buying what and who won't sell to the other person until they're blackmailed and or murdered. This and... is actually very straightforward, and I couldn't follow it as a kid. Yeah, yeah, could not follow this as a kid. Now I watched it yesterday. I'm like, I totally get what's yeah. going on in this movie, but it didn't make any sense to me before. This feels right out of a period noir detective story. It, it's I mean, straight this is right out of that. It's straight out of Chinatown, as we talked about on the Chinatown commentary. It's like it's <laughs> it. The actual events of Chinatown are pretty straightforward. If 
if you were an actual human being going through them, it, it, I feel like they would be pretty straightforward. But the act of having to communicate them and having certain scenes to explain this what this person is doing and how they all come together is like it's, it's fairly convoluted. I'm trying to imagine Chinatown with... I mean, this is it, but I'm trying to imagine literally the plot of Chinatown with tunes. <laughs> what what that would look like. And it would basically be the same, just with tunes, because that's what this is. It's yeah, basically right. that, just with cartoons. And so, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the Griffith Observatory Tunnel, yes. is it not? Okay. Yes. Because yeah. that the house there on the side, that must have been built. Probably. Uh, it looks like it's built, but... Um, hey, there's a Felix on the bridge. I didn't even notice that before. Yeah, and apparently they said, they were like, we didn't actually manage to get the rights to Felix, but no one really <laughs> noticed or mentioned it. So, <laughs> And there was nothing we could do about it because he was actually painted on the bridge. So, In uh, Hollywood Geography Corner, you might recognize this as the tunnel from Back to the Future 2. Yep. Where, you know, Biff oh. is driving and he's on the skateboard and the thing. And if you go through that tunnel, you don't end up in Toontown, you end up at Griffith Observatory. Yeah. Which I you wonder, remember I wonder who told Zemeckis about it. <laughs> oh that's funny he did both I get it that's funny man cool joke bro yeah thanks <laughs> no one saw Bowfinger but you should because it's great yeah Bowfinger's oh, no, awesome, awesome I, I love. by the way I love Bowfinger Bowfinger was the first like really Hollywood like set in Los oh, Angeles that's movie straight up inside baseball that yeah, yeah yeah well it, it's the first like Los Angeles movie I saw after moving to Los Angeles <laughs> like oh hey they're on the 101 I know what that is now yeah, yeah. Mindhead. It's also, yeah, it's the first blatantly anti-Scientologist kind of, it's like, wow, you guys did that, didn't you? Okay, then. All right. (laughs) Steve Martin don't give a fuck. Yeah. (laughs) You think Steve Martin gives a fuck? Look how few fucks he gives. He's done his stuff. If he wants to do whatever he wants, ask. He's always got the banjo to fall back on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Banjo and the balloons. And and I love that you managed to actually, he's... He's managed, Eddie, has managed not to be overshadowed by the tunes to the extent that when he decides to sober up, you actually, like, care. <laughs> You're like, yeah, good. In fact, there was a, the, one of the anecdotes uh, was they, um, the crew was watching, they were watching, like, a preview screening when it was finally finished. Because the preview screenings with, like, the pencil drawings and stuff were a disaster. Right. Nobody got what was going on. Right. They hated it. And, uh... Uh, but they they finally did this. And they were saying I was watching. We were watching this with the preview screening, and and when he poured out the the whiskey, the the lady in front of me went, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> <laughs> I, I lo- I've never been that person myself, but I ever since I've decided to be in this industry professionally, I have I love those people who are just so completely vocal right. about it, so into it. Cause well, I've, I've always, to an extent, to an extent, yeah. yeah. Well, from the purposes of being a, a working and right. filmmaking professionally, but. I've always been I've always liked comedy because the attractive thing about comedy was you know whether you're succeeding or not. Right. If they're laughing, you're succeeding and if they're not, you're not. But in drama, how do you tell? They're quiet if they like it, they're quiet if they don't. Yeah. But that's why those people are so fantastic is cuz and it amazes like yeah. now that I No, don't do it. Yeah. yeah. Not that I'm really like you know, I consciously. Bitch, she's behind you. Yeah. I shot him in the head. <laughs> now that I consciously pay attention to it, it's like it's a, it's Amazing how vocal people will get about uh-huh. actively feeding back to the to the to the screen, even when it's totally dramatic. It's like, oh, thank God. Yeah, you really just did that out loud. You yeah, that? <laughs> they can't hear you. Yeah, I think yeah. The, that's that's the the very far extension of applauding at the end of a movie. Yeah. It's like no one's here. He has to. They can't no, hear you. He but. has to be the elevator guy. That sucks. 
It it's, it's like a fantasy world, and he has to be the guy that. <laughs> All right, I'll press the button. Bing. Well, he's got to make his money somehow. It's droopy dog. I mean, yeah. What else is he gonna do? Yeah. I don't know. Cheerlead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Run for a Senate from Connecticut. <laughs> oh. I hate Joe Lieberman so much. Yeah. Is he still in? Not for long. Yes. Technically. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. She. Uh, so apparently, Lena Haina is a pre-existing character. I don't think she looked like. Uh, um, What's her face before Jessica? Jessica. But uh, apparently, this this is a character that is also not just invented for the movie, but but a Tex Avery character, I believe. Here we go. Here comes the the big famous scene where uh, we're gonna get to see Bugs and Mickey together at last. <laughs> and they they but made... Bugs and Mickey. They don't fight each other, and then they don't team up at the end. And so for me, this is completely a wasted opportunity. Oh yeah. <laughs> Would be a nowadays <laughs> there would be that note. Well, well, there there was the note where there where they were concerned. They were like, Mickey wouldn't let Mickey him wouldn't, fall to his death. Mickey wouldn't let him fall to his death. Mickey wouldn't be cruel. He wouldn't yeah. play a cruel yeah. prank on him. They're like, well, Bugs would. Yeah. So Mickey just doesn't know what Bugs gonna do. <laughs> that, that's what that's oh, what the scene is. No, I, I think it's Mickey knows what's up, but Mickey's like, yeah, he's letting it happen. He's complicit. Yeah. And they they talk about in the Cinefix, uh they they were very specific about which Mickey and which Bugs oh, really? that they drew because they they look different depending on different animators, yeah, different time periods, stuff like that. So they were very um, particular. Well, actually, they they gave the animator of Bugs um, all of the available permutations of the of Bugs through the forties, mm-hmm. and they were like, pick the one you like. And that will be the Bugs Bunny really? in the movie. Huh. Yeah, they gave that kind of discretion at all to yeah. the actual animator. Well, I think because most people, and they they made the point, um, most people can't really tell the difference because it was because like uh, everyone just thinks of Bugs Bunny. They're like that looks like Bugs, and I accept. you get that composite uh, vision I, exactly. Yeah, um, well, you you call up whatever archetypal image of Bugs Bunny to a man from- with a Bugs Bunny, all things look like Bugs Bunny. Yeah, <laughs> they, they they were they talked about that in the Cinefix with Roger. Um, every Every artist did Roger slightly different, mm-hmm. but Zemeckis just saw Roger. Right. It, it's like the animators can all see the different Rogers, but there's just one Roger, and they made the anecdote. They're like, supposedly there were like 20 different Pinocchios, too, but I can't pick them out. <laughs> <laughs> only the animators at the time could pick them out. Well, I think uh, the thing I love about that is there's so many permutations of these characters over the years. I have a um, one of the archives of the old weekly Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. strips, and the reason I got it, there was a they, review. They picked a very specific Mickey, by the oh, way. Yeah. There was no discretion given there. Uh, th- well, it's Disney. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, the reason I got it, I was reading this review of this book, and they're describing it, and it's like, I have to read this. There's literally a week of news strip uh, Mickey Mouse issues where Mickey is despondent because Minnie is going after some other guy, and it's a, we- it's a week of every day he tries to go and kill himself and then changes his mind at the end. I'm going to go jump in the lake and drown myself, and the fish comes up. How's the water? The water's cold. Well, okay, I'll do something else. You know, it's just a week of that, and you're going, oh, my God, this is yeah. Mickey Mouse. What is this? This is everything in Toontown. If it wasn't because again, I think people watching this now 
would totally not appreciate <laughs> the, the amount of work that went in. Because you do this all the time now. Now you'll have an entire movie on blue screen yeah. and not even care. But it's like, this is five minutes of just Bob Hoskins on blue screen with moving cameras and stuff like that. It's like, w- that's crazy. This is pu- this is. This is the pre computer. This is the scene coming up here that I think a lot of fans think of as the um, uh, Jessica flashes the audience scene. Oh yeah, I, I still say doesn't happen. There's, I'll there, be the judge of that. Yeah. Well, there was a rumor. I think um, they they said in the commentary they were talking about. It sounded like they were talking about Betty Boop, but um, that Betty Boop flashed the audience because something animators would do, and this is fairly well known, is they would just put in little Easter eggs like that because. No one's gonna flip, go through it frame by frame. Yeah. They can't. It's pl- it plays at speed, so they just do it to amuse themselves and each other. They're like, "Hey, I slipped it's in a right frame." Here, of blah, it's blah, right blah. here when she flies through the air after yeah. he hits the. Um, but supposedly there was such a, yeah, whatever. Um, supposedly there uh, was nah. there was such a there there was such a frame or a couple frames in this movie. They said Betty Boop. Maybe there was a Jessica one as well, but the rumor got out before the the film did. So they were like, uh, we take and out. they went back and took it out. Yeah. See, it the problem exist, the but... reason that happens, by the way, is that to draw cartoons, you have to be kind of wrong. <laughs> <laughs> to decide that's what you want to you do. You can't for be a, a balanced like... person and a cartoonist, along from animation cartoonist, at the same time. If you're a balanced person, you choose a career other than cartoons. Well, and then and you uh, get bored. To, uh, you again, just, we have a lot of webcomic artist listeners. We're talking about animation. Like just draw, draw, go draw a movie. Well, even still, even still, I bet time. I bet our web comic, our web comic people know know what we're talking about because they'll be like, fucking yep, they'll be draw. Yeah, I mean, they'll be. I'm sure they'll be drawing a comic and then they'll be like, they'll right. just get so burned out and bored. They're like, and then th- then they'll draw just this nasty orgy between the two main characters. I'm like, all right, I cut that out of my system. Erase, 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 <laughs> and then go on with the story. Um, but I'm uh, I'm sure that impulse strikes just to. Just to be wrong, <laughs> and then you just don't leave it in. Well, it's reinforced by the technology at the time. I mean, this was the era of film. Film, you can't go frame by right. frame. You would melt the film. That's the whole point. <laughs> I, I, I remember when I went to uh, my first gig at um, out here in Hollywood as a visual effects artist, and you know, you go in for dailies, and they actually had a full 2K projector you know, screening room. And they're like, yeah, this is, you know, this is cool. We can, you know, project the full 2K plates and see all the detail. And it kind of sucks because they, the directors and the supervisors can go step by frame, by frame, by frame. And it's really not the same as when they had to, you know, for daily send out the visual effects to get transferred to film and then brought back. Get a and print then to film, yeah. You, you couldn't. And it's like, yeah, they're a little bit more. You know, critical these days. Although supposedly, supposedly at the really big places, like I, I think, um, I think it's Murin, but it might be um, someone else. But I, I remember, and this may not be true, but I remember an anecdote about one of the big ones who says, um, "I'll watch it three times at speed. If I don't notice it, it's fine. Hmm. Like I'm not going to frame fuck it. It's just nice." Uh, but uh, and that, I like that, that. that tends to I, I find the places I work as it gets into crunch time that's what it turns into oh, yeah. <laughs> at first they'll be like oh this little pixel and blah 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 they'll play it three times they're like oh yeah well I totally actually catch that but I'm supposed to be looking over there so if they catch I... it we've done something wrong anyway <laughs> Keep, move on yeah. when it gets to that point you're like yeah we just need to get the, get the shot out yeah, yeah. well when any, any day anybody's day is shorter than they would like it to be so it's yeah. like do I really fucking do I want to sit here and watch this no, I'm gonna 
worry about the ten other things that are more important. I've also had the couple of months of the other where it's like, no, you guys, you, you, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. Just go with it. This dip truck, I've I've always thought was awesome, and I, I they uh, they have the dip truck or they you know they have a, a form of it in the Toontown at at Toontown. I was gonna say I know yeah. I've seen it somewhere. Well, that seems just dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just leave that sitting around. It's a, it's unloaded, you know. Yeah, I think it's I I can't remember. I think it's like crashed through the wall or something because because that's, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's. Uh, don't they have like a? It's almost a replica of this set in one area. Yeah. So at, at Disney World, right? Disney. Well, Disney World has a Toontown. Disneyland has a Toontown. Disneyland too. has yeah. a Toontown as well. I so. know. I mean, there's bits and pieces of this movie all right, over right. Disney World as well. Ah, yeah. Look at the shadowing on her. Like she, she has the film noir, like the diagonal cut of light. Oh yeah, and he's got, uh, and he just then had like the the almost Sin City level film noir. His glasses just pure white. Just yeah. Pshh. Yeah. It, it, he's, yeah. And I, it, it, the crazy thing is, I mean, as a kid, this all completely went over my head, obviously. Uh-huh. But now it's 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 like, oh, the the crazy thing is. Doom won. Yes. I know. <laughs> in, in our modern world, Doom totally won. And there are freeways. There's no public transportation system. There are gas stations and billboards every three feet. It, it kind of makes and you, but the, you, okay, you leave so, the theater so, going, what world am I living in now? Yeah. So that moment right there, he goes, my God, it'll be beautiful. Like that to me was, that's Doc Brown. Yeah. That uh, moment, that line is exactly yeah, equivalent that, that's to. That's the intersection of yeah. the two. Yeah. Uh, well, that's also the moment, like you say, pine cause, trees, because that's the way the the that's the way L.A. is, and you're like you're watching that monologue he's got, and it's like that's completely sick and insane. Oh wait, he won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it that is how it is. Well, it definitely does this job then of you want to live in the world of the movie, right? Exactly. I guess it's a, I don't know whether it is or not, but I guess it's uh it's a nice way to set up for the, at least the adults, members of the audience, like, oh, well, maybe he will actually win at the end of the scene because we know, you know, fast forward 50 years and we know in real life he wins. Mm-hmm. His philosophy wins, at least. So maybe the characters are in real danger. Maybe Roger Rabbit really will die. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's I a good mean, point. I don't know if that was a conscious uh, choice on, on their part. It kind of sets up those expectations that they can subvert. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Worth pointing out that uh, that Roger, we were talking about when Roger has a gun. He has a tune gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were a human, I wouldn't get, want to get shot with a tune gun. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd rather get shot with a human gun, probably, because well, a tune gun is crazy. When Jessica Rabbit shoots uh, the guy that is about to shoot Eddie Valiance mm-hmm. in the in the alleyway, well, she it, shoots Doom. It's Doom. She shoots Doom. Right. She is she holding a tune gun? I don't remember. Well, the weasels have real guns. That's right. But they also but have. They I, also have but two it, but knives. That's probably. But they, but they have. They have real guns when they're walking around in the real world. Right. That's probably. And, that's probably actually a, a, meant to be a clue. The fact that she shoots him and it doesn't kill him. He runs off and he doesn't seem to be injured at all. Hmm. And also the way if if you watch the way he runs, he runs very cartoony. Oh, like, he runs kind of like <laughs> that, that. Apparently, that apparently kind of like that bow-legged skip thing oh, yeah. that people do. That's a, well, that was a second unit thing. That was apparently uh, Ken Ralston in the the oh, really? Judge Doom outfit because <laughs> it was just like they were just getting a random thing of his back and they were going to ADR it later. So it was just that's the VFX supervisor going <laughs> down a blue screen alley. Uh, 
but it's but it's perfect. It seems perfectly right that Judge Doom would run that yeah, way. It's completely in, this movie. in character, yeah. There we go. Here's the uh, the laugh yourself to death thing. But now, for the actual like, for the payoff, for yeah. the payoff, yeah. And the payoff also for uh, if there's if there's anything, I, maybe they could have pushed more on Eddie's side about the fact that he used to have because they, they talk about it a little bit it's like oh, we like Toontown my brother and I like Toontown we thought it was a bunch of laughs you see pictures of them we being used very, to be yeah well cause, being very cause goofy you do, they, Zemeckis does the Zemeckis thing of yeah. the slow pan over the you know all the different pictures and yeah. photos of the guy's life and so yeah you see all of, you see the all of the evidence for that pretty much in that in yeah. that one pan but you don't get a greater sense of it otherwise yeah. you, you don't you don't get a sense of um, a really strong sense of what what's happening here is Eddie becoming himself again. Yeah, and an he's extent. drawing upon all of what he used to be, as opposed to just turning, doing a a, a total one eighty of of a character from going from right, you know, a total stick up his ass kind of guy to the to the wacky guy. Right. Yeah. He's going back to the wacky guy that he used to be. Right, and I accept. I, I still accept. Here's the hidden Mickey. If you're Fan of uh, Disney yeah. World thing, you know that they have hidden Mickey's all over the place. I'm, I'm, I, I, I do still accept Him holding the the ball, the the barbells. The, is, is that hidden Mickey? The idea that his, um, you know, his his thing is like he he's like I don't deal with tunes. I don't like dealing with tunes and blah blah blah. But he the finally accepting. He's like, if I'm going to deal with tunes. I gotta do it their way. <laughs> you know? I gotta play by the tune rules. I gotta play right, by yeah. tune rules. So it still it still works in that sense. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not I'm not saying it doesn't work, but the fact is that the seeds are planted that it's this is him who he used to be him opening himself back up again. Um, Roger has has given him the ability to get back to who he used to be, and that that aspect of it unfortunately isn't emphasized enough for that to be really clear. Yeah. Um, based on the the. It's that de- information having been it, there. It's definitely a second viewing or even a third yeah. viewing kind of really pulls it out. Yeah. And this this was the the uh the this sequ- this whole sequence took apparently like months to film cuz really? the well cuz every time they had to they couldn't they had to shoot everything in order because the place place progressively gets destroyed as okay. as they go. Um and Whenever they shot with the dip machine, the the dip truck, uh, that shit just turned everything dip colors. So they <laughs> they'd get like a shot off, and they're like, "All right, you know, reset." And it would take like you know three four hours to reset for another shot. So they were just. Nuh. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I do not ever ever want to work in the art department <laughs> oh, ever. God. That must have been what scrubbing it clean, scrubbing and, and oh, resetting, and that's just. And of course, that and was hosing down. That was yeah. second unit stuff. Obviously, they they wouldn't keep the the lead actors sitting around for hours and hours and hours just to get like three shots a day. But all the shots that the actors aren't in of just the truck rolling and blasting at the tunes and stuff like that, those took weeks <laughs> to get. <laughs> so we- weeks to shoot, years to animate. Yeah, exactly. It's so easy to forget when you're watching these. I mean, even as we are in the industry, just how much work goes into the most simple of things on screen. Well, especially uh, especially now us being in we're not in this industry. <laughs> no, no, true. We're, yeah, that's true. we're in a very different industry than yeah. the one they were working in at this time. Um and so even even thinking, man, that was a lot of work. It's like, yeah, that plus 
plus. Plus no computers. You know how pissed off you get when you don't have enough RAM? Like, not even... <laughs> come on. Yeah. They're working <laughs> optical. Yeah. <laughs> you know how pissed you are when a render fails? Like, yeah. that times five months. Yeah. Because when the render failed, that was your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to go back and fix it. <laughs> render fail back then was carpal tunnel syndrome. Yeah, exactly. This the the whole sequence the the building of the the spray inching towards uh, Roger and Jessica's like that. There are very few moments that are so crystallized in my memory oh, yeah. as being so powerfully emotional, just absolute terrifying. Yeah, that and and uh, coming up soon, Doom getting run over by the oh, steam. Oh God! Yeah. Yes, yeah. The first Doom punching it with the glue. Yeah, and then getting, and then getting stuck taken and under. Rolling yeah. under it. Growing up, I wanted one of those holes so oh, yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> the the guys who made Portal, they just watched this and went, huh. "Wait a second, yeah, <laughs> we, we could do something with that." But uh, and and you know, all of this. Speaking of guns on the mantle, as we did earlier, the portable holes were set up earlier. This yeah. thing that he's about to use, that you know, the punchy thing oh, is yeah. set up earlier. It's like they they. They weren't digging around. <laughs> they, <laughs> they they knew what they had to, to set up. They put up the and... boxing glove mallet on the wall. That's yeah, sure. exactly. On the mantle. <coughs> it's got to be a slightly bigger mantle, but it'll fit. <laughs> Man. And they they, uh, they also talked about in the uh, Cinefix having to really design a very particular kind of pressure system because Zemeckis wanted the dip to be like a laser beam. Mm. He wanted it to just come out in a solid bar of... Dip. Oh, oh god yeah. this moment right oh, oh. here. Yeah. It's the it's the noises he makes that yeah. make it really yeah. horrifying, I think. It's it's almost it's that slight variation on the the wicked witch melting right. kind of Well that that definitely happens when he actually melts in the dip. Yeah. Well, yeah, that it's yeah. literally that. But god, even the like the slow way he was moving, it's like that's nah, that this is scary now. This, yeah. this is officially <laughs> past Cartoons aren't cool anymore. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm not well, okay with tunes. This feels like it's introducing from... We went from the really smooth cell animation to almost uh, the jittery stop motion. This, well, this is, is stop motion. This yeah. is stop motion. Yeah. 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 Which, it's that disconnect that I think goes, okay, it's even creepier Yeah, now, now I'm scared. This is different. Almost has, almost has an airplane vibe to it for some reason <laughs> here. Oh, it's because it's, a, uh, it, the, it's, it's a, the, the puppet feel. To the yeah, the okay. autopilot, yeah. Yeah. Your brother. Oh my goodness! I talk just <laughs> like yes. And man, Christopher Lloyd, oh. he just—he's like, I get this. Let's do this. He's just completely crazy. Christopher Lloyd still amazes me as as an actor of just you know after having seen him in person and seeing what he really genuinely carries himself in. Brian, person. do an impression of Christopher Lloyd in person. <laughs> Uh, actually, raise the level up a little bit. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> now, what was it like to work with Crispin Glover? <laughs> can, can you speak up, Christopher? We can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Strong work, everyone. <laughs> Comedy bits. Yeah. Ah. But that, is... that, I mean, but that's the person in real life, right. and then he. He does this. And then he just turns this on. <laughs> he saves it. He saves it all up for the it's, day. It's uh, what Trey's Gilbert Gottfried's story. Yeah. The, uh, also, the uh, – this, well, this movie is very much uh, 
very much like Ghostbusters in the sense, number one, that it is a drama with jokes. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's what, one of the reasons it works. It's it's a straightforward movie that happens to have some ridiculous elements to it, but everyone's behaving. They're like, this is the world that we live in. <laughs> he literally says, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and number two, it's a movie that has it's it's brought you on this journey to the point where it's like you accept it's like okay, Judge Doom is a tune and he can do any damn thing he wants to. He can turn his hand into a buzzsaw and all that stuff. It's I, I'm pretty sure we talked about this on the Ghostbusters thing. It's like if you just tried to bust out the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man at the beginning, people would be like, "This is the dumbest fucking movie yeah. that has ever been made." And I think if you tried to do some if you tried to do the judge doom reveal any earlier than than this it wouldn't have worked but because the movie brought you here it's like this is where this is where we we need to get to absolutely the, the movie told you you know it, as as we talked about before the first 10 minutes are crucial in you know it's communicating what the tone and the identity of this movie is and this you know Roger Rabbit is definitely a great example of that but it's like that's okay here's the first 10 minutes this is what this movie is and then absolutely be that through the rest of it and earn you have to be able to earn the the really ridiculous crap at the ends and roger rabbit definitely succeeds yeah but and then the the you know the corollary of that is most movies you you have to pull out the ridiculous crap at the end too (laughs) to to make it worth the trip to that point so watching that whole doom sequence i'm almost tempted i would be interested to see either a revisit of an actual movie or a full movie with all just normal human actors, but with cartoon eyes, because that really sold the exaggerated character really well. I don't. <laughs> well, watch You know it's what? It's scary. There's actually you know what? Watch the rest of Zemeckis' stuff since 2000. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's a... Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> a stop-motion uh, cartoon, a short film that somebody did. I can't remember the name of it or anything, so good luck. Um, <laughs> but it was a really interesting technique. It was stop-motion stuff, but real eyes were tracked into, into the, the puppets, into the models. So... You had the real eyes back in there. Do not want. (laughs) It wasn't as creepy as it sounds, but it was still definitely an uncanny valley. It's not as creepy as Muppets with Human Eyes. Oh, that's dot tumblr dot com. I I remember that one. (laughs) What a real thing! I believe I I I may have gotten the the uh, the URL wrong, but there is a there is a site of Muppets with Human Eyes, which is just photoshopping human eyes onto Muppet onto the Muppets. And some of them wrong. Some of them are not horrific, but most of them are. I'm looking it up like right Miss, now. Like, Miss Piggy is kind of okay, strangely. Kermit? But no. Kermit ah. is not okay, yeah. Ah. <laughs> it's Muppets with People Eyes. Oh, Tumblr. oh, Muppets with People Eyes, sorry. Um, and yeah. uh, Waldorf and Stadler kind of work, too, as I recall. Ooh. Yeah, like, sorry. Oh, fucking commentary. Hi. Yeah. Hey, he's back. Like, we remember that character. He was on screen a while ago. Yeah. yeah. Wow, Miss Piggy. Boy, they sure are well. lucky that the room drained. Yeah. <laughs> All these fucking cartoons just melt. Yeah, that, that that was always my thought, too. I was like, there's got to be some... Even as a kid, I didn't know the word residue, but I was still thinking there's got to be some residue on the, on the ground. I wouldn't I wouldn't run in there. It, I wouldn't. It cleans up really well. And then the final reveal... The final... The, the, the clearest example of Dusex Machina slash shotgun on the right. wall thing. Yeah, this the, this is straddling the line because it's like, wait well, a second, it reappears. You're 
almost cheating, but you're not because it's a you're cartoon. You're not cheating because it's, it's tune rules. Yeah. But it, it is funny how, going back to the jackal thing, how they set up the, the jackals will die if they laugh too hard. They set that up like three or four times. Oh, weasels, but yeah. Weasels, rather. Um, but they only really talk about the invisible link right. just the once. But the invisible ink is the Deus Ex Machina that saves right. the That's whole That's the most day. important thing. The most yeah. important one of all. I look how I, uninterested Bugs is. Bugs yeah. is like, yay, yeah. this is nice. Yay. I could have bought it myself. Um, <laughs> he, uh, uh, I would have done this whole plot in ten minutes. Yeah. I, do, I do also love the fact, which again, this was a complete, I mean, screenwriter invention. And probably once they were like... You know, when they figured out that they were going to be doing movie tunes and stuff like that, the idea that one of the that the the MacGuffin, the guy who gets killed, is the guy who makes the Acme products. He's the guy who sold all the stuff to the the Coyote, uh, to Wiley Coyote, yeah. and, and all the Roadrunner cartoons. I I think that's awesome. <laughs> the the ubiquity of the word Acme, growing up, boggled my mind. Oh, it, was, it was everywhere because it was all the cartoon stuff, and then I saw like a real company called Acme something, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, the the grocery store that my mom shopped at when I was a kid was Acme, mm-hmm. and that always like just did wrong things to my I little kid gonna, brain. Yeah. We should not go there, mom. <laughs> they they never work the way they say they will. <laughs> that is it not was just like it. it you, if cartoons have taught me anything, you do not go to Acme to get food. But that's a real world thing. But the Acme is is the cartoon world thing. But how do they with the? Uh, uh, they don't go together. Here we go. And Porky's little sign off. It's yeah. It's a nice touch to be able to combine both. Yeah. Well, they were going. They were gonna do Porky sign off. Then they're like, "We're a Disney movie. We have to. We can't end with Porky Pig." <laughs> and that's when they decided to bring Tinkerbell in. Which, but, but it's but that's, perfect. That's, oh, Tinker, it fits. that's the yeah. Disney sign off. Yeah. yeah. This movie fucking held up, man. This was fun. A lot of impressive stuff here. Uh, I didn't. I was trying to follow along with it as best I could, just with the subtitles, and it seems like it works. I'm now really curious because I can't remember what Roger Ebert sounds like. So I don't. I, I need. I need to watch this again just to get. I'm not even going up to that. attempt. Uh, to very, yeah, very I'm not going to do it. Lispy and and yeah, very mm. tongue and. Right. It's not. And it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not as bad of. as Sylvester, but no, yeah. No, no it's but not, it. It's. But I think that's right. It's a mixture they, of bugs and. They. They were talking about. They're like he's a cartoon, so he has to have some kind of speech impediment. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> anyway, but good times, Brian. Yeah, it's just a boggles my mind. You know, looking at it now with. Adults and professional eyes looking at this the sheer monument of Ken effort. Yay. That goes good run, this. Ken. I want yeah. his I want his trading card. <laughs> his rookie trading card yeah. is worth a lot of money. And Don Hahn. Do you guys know who Don Hahn is? Mm. Mr. Disney guy. He, if I'm not mistaken, I might be completely misattributing this, but I think he directed Waking Sleeping Beauty. Hmm. He is the guy. I, I'm pretty sure he is the guy. And you see it in Waking Sleeping Beauty and the Pixar story, the old. Like Disney animators walking around the Disney studios with a camcorder thing. I think he's the guy that's hosting that thing. Oh. Anyway, I might be completely wrong, but I think that's the case. Anyway, I totally cut Brian off. No, you're fine. It's, so, uh, so Brian liked the movie, and he thought it was good. Yes, I did. Uh, both of those things are true. Michael. Right. <laughs> I, I, I think I've made my case pretty well, because I think I did most of the talking on this commentary. So, hey, uh, uh, Mel Blanc actually did uh, Daffy Duck. Oh. There you go. Did he, and Charles he, Fleischer. Mel Blanc, uh, Mel Blanc probably did, yeah, he probably oh, did all of them. Oh. In fact, I think, yeah, I think the and thing that's was... That's actually Frank Sinatra. That's awesome. Pretty much everyone did 
everybody did yeah. what they would normally do. Yeah, if they're that's the deal with Disney. You fucking get in there and you say that goofy line. That's true. <laughs> that's true. With Disney, if yes. you if you are a character, they're gonna bring you back. The kid who's done a, who did Aladdin when he was a kid, he's like in his fifties now. He's still doing Aladdin. <laughs> that was a kid from Full House, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was. Really, I didn't know the, that. Well, Which those kid? were the later seasons. Uh, it was so, the, the, the DJ's DJ's boyfriend. boyfriend yeah. DJ had a oh, boyfriend? Wow. These were the later seasons. That's what I'm saying. The These are the post-shark <laughs> jump. There's, DJ, yeah. you slut. The this fact was, that I this, remember this off the top of my head yeah. is a little disturbing. This was after yeah. Michelle started talking and everything went to shit. Um, <laughs> Did you like the movie, Michael? Yeah, yeah. I liked it. I think it's great. Um, I... I I hope we uh, did a decent commentary about it. We didn't. I, I'm not sure we added too much more than they could have read on IMDb or getting the the Cinefix article. But um, I I was glad to have the opportunity to talk about it, just because it's such a good movie and to really kind of look at it and and this is a Mount Everest movie. Yeah, and talk and talk about it because it's the kind of movie that. I think a lot of people were like, "Yeah, I totally grew up watching that, and I loved it, and I haven't seen it in ten to fifteen years." It's like, "Well, watch it now, because I think you'll still like it." Seth Brower, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it then. I enjoy it now. Um, I hadn't actually seen it in a couple of years, but I, I definitely remember now why I loved it so much as a kid. Um, I definitely see it having influenced me a bit growing up, which. <laughs> Uh, for good or bad. What is an effects in-betweener? Uh, the in-betweeners are the guys that draw the frames between the key poses in the animation. Okay. Yeah, so the... So bams. Yeah, so the, the rock star artists draw the, the, the main actual... Poses. The um, main poses. So it's basically... Or... You basically have a key... Fr- you keyframe a sequence. That's, that's where keyframe yeah. basically from, a right? Basically, the lead guy would draw the Y, the M, the C, and the A, and yeah. then the in-betweener would do the transitions between Y, M, C, A. Yeah, there basically. Yeah, that's a good yeah. way to put it. Well done. I, I, was, I was going for anything visual that I could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, animation consultants Chuck Jones. Chuck Jones was in there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, Seth and, and apparently later disavowed the film. Really? Yeah. Oh. He well, he was upset that uh, that he uh, uh, according to what I read, he was upset that the uh, um, he said there's something wrong with a a movie about cartoons when the cartoons are less sympathetic than the humans. Oh yeah. Ooh. Fucking hippie. That just seems like you have a stick up your ass, but yeah, he well he probably does have a stick up his ass well, about <laughs> cartoons. Let's be fair, he's Chuck Jones. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. You get to a certain point in your career, you can kind of. Walt Disney talks like, shit about bad cartoons. Who, who does he think he is? It's kind of like Frank Oz before. Uh, Gordon Ramsay has a stick up his ass about food, and it's like, well, all right, you just I'm not going to feel the same way, but I totally see. Why yeah, the Frank Oz thing kind of bums me out. I'm really hoping that he comes back after having seen it and says something to clear the record. But yeah, he. When it was it was the, the it was the first form. draft right or yeah, something. It, it was in the Frank Oz read the first draft of Muppets and was like, he, oh. and he said, "Nope, they're not treating the char- the characters with respect." And I'm out. <laughs> Which is a hard argument to levy at the Muppets when you when you see the real movie. I'm with no, I'm with Frank Oz still Ooh. on the the final movie. Th- they don't treat the Muppets with respect. Not especially. It's like a there. It's a ninety minute blowjob, a Muppet blowjob. It's a Mupp job. You can get a blowjob from someone who doesn't respect you very much. Go on. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, this has been Down in Front. You can always find our episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Get a brand new episode every single week. Twitter.com slash Down in Front. Facebook Down in Front Show. Email us at Down in Front Show at gmail.com. Register in the forum. It's a wonderful community. And there we announce when and where the live chats are going to be, which happen at Down in Front.net slash live. But the forum will tell you when, where, what movie, and all that stuff. So will Twitter. But if you register in the forum, you can be part of a conversation. It's fun. Please buy our shirts. Please pay for our pizzas. And um, uh, Holden Hill Design and the website. While my name is T. Christie. Hi, Scott. Seth Brower. And this has been Down in Front. Thank you much for listening. Good night. Good night.
Like seriously, you think the peop- the groupies for the Rolling Stones respect the Rolling Stones? No, they just want to say they blew the Rolling Stones. That's what the Muppets is. <laughs> Friendsinyourhead.com